Hey, yo, what's good? What's good? What's good? This is uh, Reflections of a DJ, the Road Podcast. I'm DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never. Yo, what up? DJ D Miles. What's good? What's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And we got a special guest today, straight from LA, by way of Chicago. You just flew in from Chicago, DJ Politic, man. What's good? What's good? It's good, man. Thanks for having me, man. I've been I've been listening since uh since day one. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, we appreciate yeah, it, bro. Yeah, I've been waiting to to come talk some shit back, my boy Jamie, up for the, <laughs> for the younger generation. The younger generation, oh, man. Come on, shit. You you've been DJing longer than Jamie though. Jamie has been. I would say you've yeah. been in from. I consider that you in the game for yeah. like a year for Vegas in the Vegas yeah. game for a year. Yeah. In the industry, I'm young. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You've but, been but you've been long. following DJ and oh for and, a long and the culture for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for a minute. <laughs> I mean, you've been doing LA, Jamie. You've been doing LA clubs since like 2013, 14? 12, 13. Yeah. I'll give you I 13. Mean, yeah, it was. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. I mean, it was it was a tough way to get into the club scene in LA. Yeah, it's a lot. No pun intended. There's a lot of politics. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> politics. Well, oh, where, yeah. Where'd you get that name? Man, see, people ask me that, and like, there really isn't like a amazing story behind it. I was just with my homies when I just started doing like filling in for a couple DJs and yeah. I was like, man, I need a DJ name. And we just got high and we were like, oh, well let's try to like find something that like, it's like a pun on my on my name. Yeah. We're like Paul, politics, oh, okay, well let's just drop the S and, and flip the C to a K. All right, cool, and I, I just ran that. with it. There's no like real like meaning behind it. Yeah. I just kind of took it and ran with it. Well, how did you come up? Because I think like, so when I first, when I first moved to Vegas from New York, I probably everybody in the Vegas scene was like, who the fuck is this crooked dude from New York? Like, where yeah. did he get to do, like, main rooms? Why is he at Jet? Why is he doing light? You know what I'm saying? And they don't know the history behind, like, what I did in New York and shit. Right, right. It was just kind of like, who is this dude, like, taking, taking our jobs, like, yeah. taking work? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Right. And what year was that? It, that was 2005. Like the end of 2005. I moved out here December, right? 2005. Yeah, around that. But time. you remember that, Never. Like when I came, like yeah. Never put me on because they were opening Jet and he was basically like, yo, you got to get this dude crooked from New York. And then Liam heard me in the Hamptons and mm-hmm. he, he like kind of co signed with uh, Never and stuff like that. But, you know, after they heard me, they were just kind of like, okay, like, you know, this dude, like, you know, he knows he's like holding his shit down. So right. it's, it's all good. But I remember with, like you coming in. I just remember Playhouse. Yeah. And then everyone that's, was I just. I think that's where we met, actually. Yeah, yeah. And when then. Suja had the Thursday night, um, dude, and he was rotating it was all like, the guys. It was Scam Artist Thursdays. Yeah. Legendary yeah. nights. I yeah. used to go to Playhouse so much just to see these guys. Yeah. Playhouse that's, pretty much like jump started my whole career because uh, I was playing upstairs on Friday nights. Uh-huh. And at that time, that was kind of like my first like residency, residency. I was just kind of like filling in, doing dates here and there in LA for like some of the homies and then uh russian rob who's the owner of playhouse he uh he's friends with my older brother and that's pretty much like how like i got my foot in the door okay and that night i mean that that club in general like changed the whole like landscape in la you know it was like yeah, the okay. first big vegas style club uh-huh. and that was just kind of like i was getting 500 bucks on a friday i was stoked like every week yeah, I remember going to uh playhouse a lot and you were upstairs and Jamie Ivine was upstairs a lot too Totally uh, right. maybe yeah probably like saturdays or yeah, yeah it yeah. was like he would do like the house shit up there yeah so yeah it was it was i, I just remember seeing you around a lot yeah so yeah, it was, because it was you nice. can't when when we heard when we heard of you and you started bubbling everyone was just like yo where did he come from yeah. like you just came out of nowhere and it was kind of from playhouse though like that was your yeah, yeah. well really it was it was rob just kind of like putting me like throwing me in there i'd like 
you know, did about like a year to two years there. And, um, you know, that room upstairs was fun. It was like, it wasn't like a big room, like a main room, but it was definitely like a room that I really like learned a lot and adjusted. And, uh, he got me a gig <clears throat> at uh Lavo here in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of like my first Russian Rob. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Rob hit because up. Cause he, he was cool with, um, like Jason Noah yeah, they, and like Dave Grutman and all those. They go way back in Miami. Cause Rob is like, super og club yeah. dude open crowbar in miami oh, so you got so you got like a you got actually got you were fortunate enough to have like a like uh to have like your older brother know russian rob and have some relationships to give you some opportunities that maybe yeah definitely i think you would have you know made it on your own but it just maybe expedited just sped it up a little bit more yeah i mean yeah. but it's also hard that way too because i think you got to be ready right when you it's, be ready. When Honestly, it's moving like, fast like that, you got to be ready. You know? Looking back, I mean, I was like, back then I was like 20, 21. And like, so I, was, I wasn't like a good DJ. Like, <laughs> I, I really, the, the, the spot that made me a good DJ was, or decent DJ, whatever, you know, being able to rock Vegas rooms was Marquee. When Marquee opened. I wanted uh, to talk about that. Yeah. Because I think that's when I met you. Yeah. And I think that was 2011. Yeah, exactly. And you were doing the, an entire night, right? Yeah, On I was doing, out, so I was slated for 10 to 4 but yeah. then it always ended up being like 10 to 5 or 10 yeah. to 6 because right. yeah. all the celebrities and, and athletes and, and rappers everyone wants to be downstairs they don't want to listen to to house music that's like the ultimate boot camp right yeah because you that's came what from, i called it yeah, yeah you came from like la which is what was the most you did like 10 to 2 maybe yeah, <laughs> if that and the clubs yeah. like crickets yeah. till like 11 anyway and then i was yeah. really at a time where edm was at his height and there were no other spots that had a hip-hop room or that you can go here open for a matter hip hop. So yep. the boombox room was like almost kind of like all the first the of its kind. All the athletes yeah. wanted to be there. Yeah, there all was the musicians. No, no yeah. Dre's. There was no Heart of uh, Omnia. There was no Ling Ling room. Like it was literally, if you went to hear hip hop, you had to go to the boombox room for Marquee. Yeah, and, and that's I really, your, yeah. That's really, I call it boot camp. Like that was, and I did that for about two years. Mm -hmm. And um, so, how much, so like, when you first started, how much was was it a struggle to do the six hours or the seven hours that you had to do? It and then was how did you how did struggle. you slow? And then how did you slowly learn? And was there anybody, like any DJs you listened to, or is there any like kind of process that you went through to like you know kind of? I think part of my success has always been like um, me having good like older mentors and always kind of yeah. like be like looking at it in like a humble way and just not like gassing myself up and just being like, all right, like if I go and hear you or stone or Graham or vice, so like any of like the guys that I really look up to, mm -hmm. I'm really like soaking in everything. So it was just a combination of just like being open-minded, going to see other DJs. I would be in Vegas. I would like, you know, go see other DJs and really just like, using my taste and instincts that got me to that point yeah, you know yeah. with the records that work you know because i've been going to clubs since i was like 16. you know i was going out in la when i was i had my 17th birthday at spider club <laughs> 17th <laughs> oh, birthday <laughs> I just remember that. That's yeah crazy. and you know like jen jen and brent like they knew i was like underage but i had like some older friends that uh kind of like put me on and and got me you know in the yeah. mix a little bit it's kind of like new york man like new york i remember like in the 2000s they weren't too concerned with like ids and shit no man. not at all like oh, you used they, to have like seven fuck. 18 year old 17 year old like college models. kids used yeah. to be in the clubs hanging out shit yeah. like that yeah, yeah there was all a, the little celebrities lindsey lohan and all yeah, yeah. All and like, it was like yeah. all 17 18 at the time. Yeah. but yeah, there was also man. like a lot of 18 and overnight at 
uh, in Hollywood as well. Like yeah, I there were. I remember Cinespace. I think had one. Yeah. Well, Jamie, you were saying that there was like no real nightclubs in in L. A. For after like 2014, I want to say a lot of shit shut down because at yeah. a point it was like crazy. Like at a point it was a uh, Playhouse, Supper Club, Crest, uh, Level Three. Fuck yeah. my house on yeah. La Brea. There was a lot of shit going on, and then after a while, just fucking. What man. happened? It was, I don't know. was it when EDM kind of died out? Or I want to say that at Emerson. Yeah, because yeah. there was a lot. There was a lot. Uh, fuck, what's the one in uh, uh, La Siena? Uh, not La uh, Fuck, I forgot. In front of Empire, but there was a lot in that. And then after a while, a lot of shit got shut down. Yeah, and then like Playhouse. They I think <laughs> I think everywhere went through. Maybe everywhere except Miami and New York. Everywhere went through like a transitional period when EDM kind of got phased out a little bit, right? Yeah. Because LA be LA is like LA kind of reminds me. It's like a hip hop city now, right now. Yeah. I think the the nightlife in LA has always been very fickle. Like it's always what's the next best thing. It's not really like New York and Miami in a sense where there's institutions that just yeah. are always good and have like ten year runs. Mm -hmm. Like the run Playhouse is having now. It's insane. It's like yeah. unheard yeah, that's of. unheard of in LA. Right? It's almost <laughs> yeah. ten years. It's about to be like ten years soon. That's yeah, but they pivoted like five years ago. And we're like, all right, we're just going full hip hop, which yeah. was the best move for them, right? You know, because you can't compete with the like bougie spots. Yeah, you know, yeah. with the model promoters. But it's worked for them. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Playhouse was always the shit, though. Like that was the spot. And then if not, you go to Supper Club. Yeah, I've never been in Playhouse. I really? used to. <laughs> I used to. I used to actually struggle in that room a little bit. Oh yeah, because. I remember at the time when they were booking me, Vegas was so EDM, uh -huh. mm -hmm. and I couldn't grasp like DJing a night in LA that was fully hip hop. Does that make sense? Yeah. It didn't like register in my head that like, yo, these motherfuckers really want to hear like Just all hip hop hip and like Thursday? some like grimy gutter ass hip hop. Yeah. Like it didn't register in my head. So yeah. you were throwing like LMFAO or some yeah, a little bit, and then like uh, I forgot what's that dude, the bald dude name. He was bald. He was like the... The Eli? little one? Eli. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Eli Webb. He used to come up to me and yeah. yell at me and be like, yo, trapped. I mean, I remember it was, everyone was just throwing trap out there. Just and like, Eli. I don't even know if they knew what trap was. Like, yeah. <laughs> but they just thought trap music. So they're just like, no, 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 trap, more trap, more trap. And I'm like, fuck, really? Yeah. Yeah. And then true. I would just fucking, it would just became all hip hop. But I always like, I always struggled in that room because I was just like, yo, what the fuck is going on here? Like, yeah. Cause it was just so anti what what was going on in yeah. Vegas. It was yeah, just yeah. all hip hop on a Thursday. Yeah, all yeah. fucking hip hop. And all but it wasn't like that before, right? No, nah, that was like Thursdays was mainly like that. Really? Because I've yeah. heard other dudes that this do like they they would mix it up, and then yeah. all of a sudden they were like, "Nah, we going straight trap. It's trap." Like when trap was, I don't know what. I was like sick of that word at that trap. time. Trap. It's probably around like 2013. Yeah, from yeah. 09, they opened in 09, and for like three years, all the EDM shit was really working. Yeah, it was really like working. open format. And, and then, then uh, right around 2013. Yeah, that's, yeah, around 2013 or something yeah, when I started going out there, they were like, yo, no one told me shit. And I started doing it like it was a regular night. And then Eli would come up and just be like, nah, trap, trap. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, <laughs> yeah. you want me to play trap music for real? Like, yeah. And I think at the time it was like trap remixes, so I was like yeah, confused. Like, like, what are you trying to? What are you telling me to play? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. I remember at that time though. But yeah, it, was it was that transition area that when EDM was dying out and, and uh, that was I coming out. I just we, remember a lot of hip hop on yeah. Thursday. I can't fucking remember anything else. We yeah. said before 2013, it was like open format. Yeah, Reach would probably keep it a little open format. I was Reach was there a lot. 
Uh, Vice was very. I think that's when he was doing his transitional period. No, Vice was definitely more EDM. Yeah, that's his transitional <laughs> period. Yeah, Ross one would be a lot of open format, but a lot of hip hop. I'm telling you, it was open format, and then like it just it became was, like trap. But yeah. maybe I like mean, the you house. could tell us better politics. Yeah, you know what I mean, but it was like there was yeah. a time where all of a sudden it was just like, now nah, we're not doing that no more. We're doing all trap on Thursday, like Shit. trap Thursdays. Yeah. And I was like, word? Okay. And I was just like, and Ross one used to love it because he'd be like, man, I love it. I could just play all hip hop and <laughs> yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Because I was getting yelled at the first couple of times I did Playhouse and I played hip hop. Damn. I remember like when they first, the first year they opened, I, I went yeah. there and I did like hip hop sets and they were like, nah, EDM. So like every time I went there, <laughs> was I was getting yelled at for yeah. some yeah. shit that I didn't yeah, understand. They had a little identity crisis for a while before they like fully were like, I made it to hip hop. We're just yeah. doing like every night. It's gonna yeah. be hip hop. For a while, it was like you know DJs were kind of coming in and like, oh well, I guess I'm gonna play it like a Vegas kind of like big room set. But uh -huh. nah, eventually it was like that's right. it. What did you learn the most when you were spinning at uh, Playhouse? Um, upstairs, really, it was it was kind of like a little bit more of like a cooler crowd. It was it was supposed to be like the VIP, the upstairs. Like so, it, I've it never been to the upstairs. I don't even know what you're it's talking about. A little bit about, bigger yeah. than here. Yeah. Just a little bit. Ah. Like a little bit more extended that way. And I was just really kind of keeping it like super tasteful and like open. Like I was playing a lot of stuff that like normal club DJs wouldn't play. Mm -hmm. And I still kind of like. Like what? Like set the scene. Like what kind of music were y'all playing? It was a lot of like that like late to like 2007 to 2010 like, electro like kind of mgmt like, kind of yeah, shit. Like, yeah, yeah like all that really kind of like blog house stuff yeah, yeah. and then block party like, yeah. like hipster type of shit i don't think there was a lot of lighting up there right it was like just low lighting but was there like any lasers going on i don't remember i don't, I don't remember that so. shit either. it's probably the size of uh you remember yeah. you know there there was was a, the ling ling lounge like not the yeah, ling yeah, club yeah, but the yeah. lounge that's probably the size of of the yeah. upstairs and then like the, the booth up there wasn't like he was like tucked in the corner kind of like it wasn't like elevator nothing but it was popping that the, yeah it was it was cool up there yeah it See, was, it was I, definitely popping. i feel like they would try to do rooms like that in here in vegas and it never worked no remember lax had a room like that i think mm -hmm. oh yeah. yeah remember yeah. it was like a secret yeah. room that you and they tried i didn't, to do I didn't know about hours. playhouse yeah. upstairs i just one day i just saw somebody go up there and i was like fuck it let's go up there but they it was let like, you in? Yeah, well, yeah, no one was up there. <laughs> Why would they let you in, man? <laughs> I don't know. I forgot who I was with. I was with somebody important. I wasn't going up the road. Dude, myself. I didn't even know there was an upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And then when people started talking about it, I just imagined the rooftop for some reason. But nah, I don't know. It was yeah. it was sexy up there. It was cool. Yeah. So you were playing like MGMT, like that cool. Yeah, just like keeping it super open and playing like fucking Stevie Nicks, like Aretha Franklin, like right, Red right. Hot Chili, just super like eclectic vibes that kind of the la sound though right electro yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. rock yeah, yeah. i mean you, you know new york and la is like always just the taste level is like a little higher mm -hmm. than um than other cities so you can kind of get away with more but um i still kind of like work in those records even like i'll be playing here at excess and in the middle of my set i'll drop like i'll read the franklin or like you know like black betty or um you know, uh, Chili Peppers, Michael Jackson. The original Jackson, or know. remix or originals. originals? Yeah. I just have like little like segue transition routines that I'll do, mm -hmm. uh -huh. and it's funny because those songs get the biggest reactions. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like because other DJs won't play them. You know, you don't really hear them. I mean, a lot club. of them don't know. Yeah, I mean, most of the songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Black Betty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. like one of my favorite mixes that I do that always kills it in big rooms and small rooms is I play. Um, 
I have this kind of like redrum of uh, of respect, Aretha mm-hmm. Franklin. Yeah. And uh, I play that over Kanye, uh, Father Stretch My Hands. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's perfect. It works every time. And it's just little things like that that I still kind of, um, you know, take away from my com- coming up in L.A. and maintaining yeah. that like high taste level. Yeah. Try not to like, you know, keep it too commercial and corny no matter where I am. You know, always yeah. like injecting a little bit of that. Oh, you you said of um you started talking about Lavo a little bit and then we kind of jumped into um, Marquee, but I want to yeah. go back to that and just kind of like your time at Lavo, and was that a residency for you, or was it? I was doing like once a month, uh-huh. and man, I was like, I was shook. You know, like they were asking me to do like shout outs and shit. Like uh-huh. I hadn't like talked on the mic ever. Yeah, I was yeah. like super shy. I was like twenty one, twenty two, kind of like thrown in this. And Lavo back then was like super lit. Yeah. You know, yeah. Vice was doing the the Sundays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was like all these like super ill DJs that I look up to, like you and Five Crooked, and Crooked like, Wednesdays. I remember I was there for my twenty first birthday, and Five was DJing, and it was just like, damn, like yeah, I want to I want to play here, you know. Yeah. So I finally, when I was there, they threw me in there, and it was just kind of like learning experience. Uh, Omar was like, yo, you gotta like you gotta have a little bit of mic presence if you really want to like start working with us, like. Uh-huh. can't be having the lighting guys do the shout outs <laughs> yeah. um so it was just kind of like a, a learning curve there um yeah. i think that, i opened for you one night at uh, lava yeah i opened for you and you must have hated me nah <laughs> I, th- I think i was with you dean was i with yeah. you maybe like who is this young motherfucker coming in here was it on a nah. was it on a on a weekend huh was it on a weekend um might be like a Friday night. It might have been. Yeah. It probably was like a Friday or Saturday. Yeah. But I think it was like a holiday weekend. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of shit going on. And we were like maybe going to go to Tao for Eric Murillo. It was like. Oh, yeah. It was like one of those weekends. So it, it was like a like big a, weekend. Yeah, a Memorial yeah. Day or like a Labor yeah, Day yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like right? a big weekend. And I opened for you. Uh, I was opening for you. And yeah, I think you came in and I think you, you looked nervous. I'm, I'm sure. sure I was. And then yeah. I was on the mic and I was like, I think I was on the mic and then I was DJing and I was opening. And I'm, I usually am not really judgmental about like headliners and shit, like, cause I headline. And so right. like, I just try to be as cool as possible and then yeah. try to work it all out. But I remember you kind of, it looked like you were forcing yourself to get on the mic. Yeah, and then you stopped the music and you yeah. said, "Yo, what up? My name is DJ Politic, and like, I just came from LA." And then you hit him with like a banger, and then it was it was like good. Yeah. But I could tell you were like, you weren't like comfortable yet, you know, on the mic yeah, yet. Definitely yeah. not. I mean, he has to follow you up, asshole. No, nah, yeah. I wasn't that. Comfortable. <laughs> I wasn't that comfortable on the mic. Boss. I mean, I was, but I remember seeing like, I, you know, like he's doing. I remember I checked you for like ten minutes, ten no, maybe like 15, 20 minutes. And then we were just like, yo, we got to skate, meet these chicks. But <laughs> <laughs> but nah, I always thought you was like, you know, I thought you was, you sounded really good. And then you were working, you know, you was trying to work the mic pause, like, as you know. <laughs> well, at 21, 22, I can probably, yeah. I mean, the thing is, at, like, at 21, 22, like, yeah. you're yeah. kind of still, like, figuring out who you, like, your yeah, identity yeah, yeah. and, like, sort of, like, talk, like, if you're not used to performing or, like, talking on a mic or, like, 
being in the studio like yeah. it's, it's just kind of like a, there's a learning curve no yeah, matter what it doesn't what. matter what age you are yeah. Yeah. Once, like, when you start getting on the microphone it's just kind of you get nervous at first and it's got to like, be authentic too that's the thing you can't like force yeah, you, you gotta find exactly. your niche you yeah, know exactly. you gotta find your, your voice pockets. exactly you, know, you were talking you know. about that on the last uh pod with stone and graham yeah, where yeah. like you know it's like it's like a seasoning you know you can't like you don't want to overdo it but at the same time it's like it's got to be organic and come from like you know what i mean like kind of like mm -hmm. interact with the crowd whereas they feel like you're actually there and it's not like just like a robot playing like saying yeah. put your hands up, like you know what i mean like talk to them and well you know. i remember like you gotta have some charisma you want to show uh the crowd like your your kind of your character a little yeah, bit you yeah, know like yeah, you just want to exactly, show them exactly because in the end we kind of all play the same shit kind of that's why you're saying like you dropping black betty or aretha franklin out of yeah. the blue it just sets you it just shows a little charisma because yeah too. it shows you some character in your set you know what i mean exactly and same thing goes with the mic when you when you're working a mic for that but that's why i remember how you stopped the music and you introed yourself because yeah. i thought that was ballsy uh, and I kind of thought after that, I was like, man, should I intro myself on a mic? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you did it. And I was like, that took a lot of balls, man. And um, and it I was like, good, probably. Yeah. And I to this day, I don't know if I could do that. I can't like I, stop the music and be like, yo, what up? This is crooked. From New like, York. You know? Yeah. Because I, I, I always picture myself watching myself. Okay, <laughs> this is too like much. I, no, no, like, no, I picture like I'm in the crowd. <laughs> so if I'm in the crowd and some dude just stops the mic and be like, yo, I'm crooked from blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah, that's too much. No, they care though. That's the thing. It's like, especially in Vegas, these people are here from God knows where. It's like, oh, like that's DJ Crooked. He must be like somebody. Like, that's Instagram. What's his Instagram? Like, you know what I mean? You gotta like. That's something that Omar actually used to always tell me. Uh, is like, yo, like you gotta let him know who you are. Like, listen, listen to how like Vice does it and this guy does it. Like, they're constantly letting the crowd know who they are. So like, when they leave. They remember. And it's I not just like, like, I feel like, like, we're like I feel like we're doing yeah. PR for Omar Galliano. <laughs> 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 we're rebranding him on the low. <laughs> shout out Omar. He, yeah, shout out to Omar. But he actually did help a lot yeah. of DJs. Like he was kind of yes, like he, knew, he definitely knew his shit. Man. He was like a like college or a master's degree for like yeah. for DJs to come through yeah. the town yeah. and like really learn, you know what I mean? And uh sounds like a lot of tough love, which is good. No, definitely. no, yeah, and he told you what, what you were good at and what you were bad at yeah. and then what you need to work on, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So that was really important. I, I was you were talking about being twenty one, twenty two and like being thrown almost like and into the, the arena, thing. right? Yeah. Just got like on some gladiator shit. But now that you're what you just turned 30 yeah so like i always say that djs are their best and like 32 mm. like when they when they're 32 33 like early 30s that's when you're at your prime yeah. how do you feel about yourself right now yo i you feel like you're at your prime yeah. i forget who um someone just said recently um the dude that passed away recently the dj from new york that um was really tight with uh blue gems yeah, yeah blue gems. i think someone quoted him saying that like djs don't actually get good till they turn 30 and i really agree with that for real because i feel like right now i'm at my best and i haven't really like i'm a perfectionist at heart and i haven't really like put out many like mixtapes and really put out like thing like products that kind of like will like cement my legacy or whatever it is in, in this game and part of the reason why is i've always been like a student of of the game so i'm like i want to make sure that I learn and get as much experience in the clubs and just like overall in music and learning more. I'm like constantly just like 
listening to older music, you know, mm, not yeah. even the new shit. Like, obviously, it's easy to stay up on the new shit, but um, just researching, going back in time, and I feel like right now is when um, I think I'm really gonna like put it in like full gear, like start putting out like some dope mixes, yeah, um, and just really like step my game up because it's all just been like preparation and yeah. experience up until this point for me um during, yeah i agree during, with that during that time like in the past i guess i don't know eight eight seven eight years <clears> that you've been like kind of just honing in your skills and stuff what's been the most important part of it just like music knowledge comfortability i definitely think music music knowledge and just like have like maintaining a high level of taste you know what i mean like taste yeah. is the most important thing to me um in art because that's just kind of what separates everyone from 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 the rest you know what i'm saying like uh you know it's like if you're playing if you're playing just straight down the middle top 40 stuff nobody's gonna like give a fuck about like who you are as a d i mean you're literally just like not taking any risks so it's all about just like taking risks and keeping that level of taste super high to where people i always say I like to play for the five to 10% of the people in the room that have like a high musical IQ, because usually those are the people that have the best taste and that put other people on to good music. And they're like the people that, you know, you know what I'm saying? They're, yeah. they're the tastemakers. They're like the people that you'll at other people will ask, yo, like what's, what's hot? Like what's the new shit? Like what's a hot mix I can put on at a party, like whatever. So I like to play for those people and really keep that in mind. Um, just playing like really unique and eclectic yeah. shit. You know? No, I, I agree. I feel like even when I'm out listening to DJs, mm -hmm. if a DJ does something creative, good or bad, I appreciate it. And even yeah. if they mess up in the process, I'm like, at least you're taking a chance. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I can appreciate the fact that you're taking a risk and you're yeah. taking a chance. You do a scratch or you do a loop or something, and even if it's a little off, that's cool. You're human. You yeah. know what I mean? But you're taking that risk and you're not just flatlining your set. Exactly. You know, you have peaks and valleys, and to me, that's the best. That's the best thing to do. Have you ever taken the risk and had it like backfire, where like management yeah. said we don't want him back, or someone was like, "Yo, he was playing too much wild shit," or like blah 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 blah. It definitely happens here and there. I mean, even at um, some of the Tau Group spots in LA at Avenue when they first opened, I was just really looking at it like, okay, here's like a Tau Group spot in my backyard that I'll really be able to kind of come in and and they're gonna give me like free reign to program it the way that I want, that I see and uh, play a lot of more eclectic stuff. And then, you know, I, I was doing my thing. I was playing a lot of rock, class, uh, classic rock, 80s, shit like that. And they're like, yo, you know, we need, we need hip hop. We need this, we need that. So it's really just like a balance. It's like a tug of war with the managers and with, and the promoters and just kind of having like a little bit of leverage. Yeah. Where like, you know, they obviously trust me and they trust the DJs they book. And you just kind of, kind of have balls sometimes, you know what I mean? And just do it. Yeah. And, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, I got pulled. I, the one time I got pulled off playing was in London and I came in there just like really on some LA shit, just playing really <laughs> eclectic stuff. And that was the one time in my whole career that they actually pulled me off and put the resident back on. And yeah. I was kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, was it a hip hop spot? What was it? Yeah, it was a, it was a hip hop spot. It was. Um, you have to say no names. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to, yeah. yeah I was say no names. I mean that. Some, when something like that happens, that affects your 
that affects your confidence for yeah. a few months sometimes, right? Yeah, that yeah. fucks your head yeah. up. That man. fucks like. Oh yeah, and I'm in a different country, so imagine I'm like, yeah. I got flown out there to do this, and I'm like, oh shit. You got to like, think about it on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long <laughs> flight. That's a long <laughs> flight to LA, bro. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. It's humbling. Huh? It's humbling. Definitely. You know but I mean? it definitely fucks with your, like, the way you DJ for the next couple months, if not. It could even be yeah. in the back of your mind for a year. Yeah. Just because however that, that might have played out. Yeah. Like, a so, manager may walk up the same way. You're like, and you just get flashbacks. Like, yo, <gasps> it's going to happen it's again. Is this going to happen again? Like, yeah. yo, that that's, Pro, like, a horrible fucking, fucking thing. I'm trying to PTSD think. PTSD and shit. I'm trying to think if I ever got pulled. Have you ever gotten pulled? I got pulled. I, I got pulled, but it was for a different reason. I got pulled because I wasn't supposed to be in a certain room. So another manager oh, okay. came in and it was like, yo, so the owner's not here. You got to get out of this room. What? I, I don't know how to. What does that mean? That's that, like po- that politics? Yeah. Yeah. But it like, was like uh, the owner wasn't, he didn't get the approval of me being in the room, but the managers wanted me to be in the room. Oh, so in the, the middle of my set, the owner was like, we don't want you in there. He was like, oh, well, the owner didn't give them permission to have me in the main room. Oh, that's oh, fucked okay. up. <laughs> so I had to get out. And it wasn't even like I was fucking up. It was just the fact that I was there. Yeah. Without getting the permission to be there. That's yeah. low-key low key like the owner saying, we don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But he, he just Damn. didn't, the owner didn't have his, his, his stamp exactly, on it. Exactly, yeah. It, it wasn't like I was like yeah. fucking up. It was just like, oh, why But then the owner came in. He's like, what the fuck is never doing in there? And like, <laughs> pull this motherfucker right now. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was pissed. I was like, this motherfucker. I see, okay, I've, I've lost, I've, I've lost gigs yeah. from like just a set or just taking risks sometimes. And then it'll like fuck with my head for like the next and, few months. And then the saddest thing is that it's not even about you. It's about somebody that doesn't know music or knowledge like that. Yo, it's somebody that just got the job six months ago and is like, yo. I did a tryout here, yo. I did a tryout here in uh, Vegas um, for this one spot. And um, they they said like, uh, you know, they actually wanted me to open. Mm-hmm. They're like, yo, we'll give him a tryout, but you got to open. And I was like, and I remember talking with my manager and my agent, like, yo, man, like, I mean, I don't mind doing this shit, but like, let me know if this is like worth it. Right. And then they were just like, yo, man, just do it, man, and just rock it. So I opened, I did an opening set. And then the headliner ended up playing like house, EDM, like literally EDM for like 45 minutes. I think I was there. No, you were there for the second one. (laughs) So then, so the so the headliner ended up playing like EDM for forty five minutes, and then played some hip hop and like trap remixes. Uh-huh. So then my manager gets feedback, and he's like, "Yo, um, they want you to come in for another tryout." And I said, "What?" And they were like, "They just said uh, you were playing a lot of EDM and like old old music, and they want you to play new music and all hip-hop, because we're a predominantly hip-hop club. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? So they confused you. They're not a hip-hop club. Oh, but they The confu- headliner was not playing hip-hop. Yeah. Right, right. And then they were like, no EDM. And I'm like, well, I don't understand why the headliner is playing EDM. And then I've, the times I've been at the actual club, the openers have played EDM. Right. And so, I didn't understand that. I was like, they want new hip-hop in the beginning of the night? And that literally fucked with my head. Yeah. I'm not even fucked with you for like four months. Yeah. And with it, all these clubs. It's like too many cooks in the kitchen always. But you know? a lot of but mm-hmm. I, I was like, who 
who was telling you this? Who was listening to me that night? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, who told you this? And I couldn't get an answer. Who was there that night? Who who's giving the feedback? Yeah. Because I think that's the most important. Like, are you gathering feedback from like cocktail waitresses and bartenders? Exactly. Who, yeah. who were busy? Yeah, not paying attention. Points of the night, yeah. not knowing when the DJ switched over. Like, I don't know. Like, I was just really confused, and it really questioned everything I was doing for like months. Yeah, I remember that. Because we were there for the second one. Yeah. Maybe. So for the second one, I was like, you know what, man? I'm not going to be Mr. Nice Opener no more. I'm just going to go fucking you balls fucking to the wall. killed. And I just did hip hop. I was on the mic. And I would never do that normally to like as an opener because I made it. I know I made it hard for the headliner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if I was the headliner, I would have been like, who the fuck is this dude? Yeah, just going like and I hundred. Think you the, know, the the headliner that night also started with EDM. Yeah, yeah. And so he I, went in there for like twenty five minutes. See, I love openers that go in and like get the room going first. Like I yeah. love that. Get you know, it bubbling. Yeah, like good, especially like in Vegas. Traditionally, like the openers are, have always been really good. I mean, I don't know lately um, if that's kind of like shifted, but mm-hmm. they really like understand how to build a room yeah and it's better for for us when we go on to have like a room that's like already going than just like warming it up just keep it going and like you got to build it again so like i like openers that like go in as long as it's not blatant right well i think i think openers nowadays are not not all vegas openers are not all openers but some of them are playing like newer shit or like like not maybe like semi-burning motherfuckers just because Management is telling them to play that shit. Right, that so sucks. I just play it again, and then they're just they're just kind of. <laughs> but but it, yeah. once again, it's it's like the absence of an Omar Galliano, literally right. like a music director who knows music and who knows like how DJs should function in a club. Yeah, yeah. Because a manager's gonna be like, "Yo, just hit him with bangers." Remember, like, remember back in the day at Light and Jet. Mm-hmm. If they just be like, yo, it's packed, just start hitting yeah, them. Exactly. And we're like, nah, we ain't gonna do that. We mm-hmm. would never listen to them. We might just yeah. like be a little more aggressive with like yeah. some of the the some of the party shit, you know, just yeah. start hitting them a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that shit never works when you're playing like yeah. like the when you start burning the fucking headliner or well, whatever. Like, like politics that. said, like someone like an Omar Galliano was like the 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 bridge between management and the DJ. So yeah, they would go exactly. to him, explain what they needed, and he would come to you and express it in a in like a DJ's way. Yeah. Well, now it's like you might hear from an owner or a GM or a manager, and you don't even know who to who to listen to sometimes. Oh man. They might all have different opinions on what needs to be done, mm-hmm. and then you're up there like, well, shit, what what do I do? You know what yeah. I mean? And, who do and, I listen and to? And most of them have no idea in, like how to program a set. <laughs> yeah. They just think like, oh, play this right now, mm-hmm. but they don't realize like, oh, well then what's he going to play later or how's that going to like right. how's that going to affect the rest of the night mm-hmm. right so yeah it's one of those things where uh i remember omar like at tau like 12:30 right when you're getting on you're getting your laptop open and i remember i just met with omar actually like last week mm-hmm. and we were just talking about it but i remember having my laptop out one night and i'm setting up and it was like yelling going on behind me and I turned around and there's like four managers yelling at Omar. And I remember thinking at the time, like, am I doing something wrong? And I looked at him. He said, you're good. Just set up. But he was that kind of, you mm. know what I'm saying? He was yeah. that. Filter the bullshit. He was filtering the bullshit because honestly, I did a, I did a club. I did um, Omnia one night 
It was a big night. I think it was like single day Mayo or some shit. Yeah. I walked in, and the second I walked in, and I was taking out my laptop, I had two guys telling me to do a birthday shout-out, another dude telling me that there's going to be a band coming in, and I had to shut off the music, and I had to play this, that. I was literally getting bombarded by like... <clears throat> Like four different like people hosts, like two yeah. managers were telling me, and then I was like, "Yo, I didn't know like where to go or what to play." You know what I, I'm saying? I was there that night. Yeah, and you it was like they were like they're on this sombrero. <laughs> and like, yeah, they were, and, they were, and at the same time they were telling me to wear a sombrero and a poncho. It was crazy, and I was like, "Yo, what? How am I supposed to DJ? Like, you want me to literally kill it right now and do five birthday shoutouts at one time?" I told him like, "Yo, I even like told." Uh, told homeboy i was like yo fam i just had three people tell me to do birthday shout outs for how many presentations i don't know when that shit's popping out like yeah. what do you want me to do you want me to literally say happy birthday charles happy birthday ryan happy birthday yeah. melissa all at once like it don't like, make no sense yo see what you're talking about though is is another skill set that i think gets overlooked a lot for yeah. vegas djs it's Definitely. like can you weather that storm like are you able to take all these things coming at you and still be in your element and still keep the room going right you know and that's something that i really because each part of that almost literally like it takes away from your psyche of and course. your creativity because you're focused on that and then i'm yeah. sure like you have to deal with presentations i mean you're in the middle of like doing maybe like a little medley or thing that you you do in exactly. every set and then all of a sudden oh yo we need the rocky theme like right now <laughs> yeah so then it's like oh okay like I'm gonna play that, and then where do I go? And you gotta so, like build that momentum back that you have, yeah. And you gotta really have like certain like tracks ready in your head. To, yeah. Like, yo, if I just like reset right now, what am I gonna come back in with? And the confetti and all the other yeah, yeah. shit that they've been adding over all these years. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like they think we're a stage manager. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you guys think I'm a stage manager? I have to like cue this song for yeah, this yeah. presentation, and yeah. then like give this shout out and at the same time do my intro yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like insane yo i remember like hyde is probably like the king of presentations for las vegas right yeah that's really crazy oh, yeah man. it's who, really dope. who was oh man i forgot my fucking memory who was homeboy that used to coordinate that with us nor nor yeah yeah i remember nor. He was, that's he's good we, we, we might have we, yeah. we worked there we yeah. worked there a few times yeah. at yeah. hyde when they yeah. opened God bless Noah for like helping with that shit. Man. He was an MC, right? Yeah, oh, he was great. MC he was too. a lot more than an MC, but he was like the freaking. He would control the DJ booth. He would like he would, he wasn't like Omar, but he was like a buffer. Yeah, like he would just yeah. organize the shoutouts and he would like organize the presentations so that yeah. Yeah. we're DJing. We wouldn't have to worry about it. He was like yeah. the organizer. Yeah, for yeah. real. He'd be on a mic. Yeah, yeah. he was, he he was like, a good MC. Sound like um, Lil John. Indian, nah, um, <laughs> Fat Man Scoop sometimes. <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> he sounded like a Lil John a little bit sometimes. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. He was good though. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is good. But yeah. no, yeah, we did actually uh, do some sets together. Yeah. I opened you for you a few times over there. But you're right. Like th as far as presentations, it, it, at one point, like in their height, they would be coming out like every ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Like they'd have the boat. They'd have the Mario Brothers. And they'd songs have, for each presentation. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. See, so, some DJs just aren't built for that. You know, yeah. like, they they come here and then they have all these things being thrown at them. And it's like, how if you're from L.A. or New York, like, if you're from any of these other markets and you come here when you're not used to that, mm -hmm. that's, that's like a crazy adjustment. Like, that takes years of experience and practice to really yeah. it can be know how to navigate that shit. But don't oh, you think definitely. it could be, like, disrespectful to a certain kind of DJ? Like if you had an AM there or if you had like a, a Z trip there or like a Jazzy Jeff to actually like 
have them do that shit. It's yeah. like borderline disrespectful. Now. I don't think they they would do that. I don't think Jazzy guys. Jeff would do the four or five. I don't think they would ask him to do that. I yeah. think they would, like not knowing, <laughs> like <laughs> being oblivious. Like, yo, you ready? You have the Rocky thing yeah, ready. Yeah. They got tour managers <laughs> and, and people that would just shut that down right yeah. away. You know, that's crazy. I mean, where I would love to see that. Huh? I would love to see someone try to. I ask remember. Jazzy I Jeff. think there was a point where Vice. Uh, Vice stopped taking requests, or he wasn't doing presentations no more. Oh, really? Yeah, when he would like resign at a contract, uh-huh. it was that was in his contract where he didn't have to do shout outs or requests anymore. Damn. That's kind of good. I didn't know that. That's wow. a good uh, add to your contract, guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> you add that to your contract <laughs> next time. No but presentations. I don't know. It was weird though, like when that started emerging because it wasn't a thing. Like they used to kind of be scared to ask the DJ for shit yeah. like that. Remember that? Oh, yeah, definitely. But when did that become standard? 2011 no, no, no. <laughs> like 10 it was when AM passed because no one well, used to bother AM with that shit so it was like 2010-ish around that time I'm telling you uh, whoever's at the top like whoever's at like the top of the game mm-hmm. usually if they're allowing this and allowing that it trickles yeah. down to all the other guys because even like I opened for you a few times at Tao they would do presentations but they wouldn't bother us with shout outs yeah. It would be a situation Top. where you would just see them coming out. They were bringing out bottles and doing things, but oh, at Hyde or at, at, Tao. at Tao too. Oh, like Tao. they would come out with the confetti yeah. and the glow sticks and all. They that also stuff. had like a, a mood director that yeah. would do the shoutouts. Yeah. But I prefer to do them myself because mm-hmm. I hate playing or being doing a transition and then hearing someone screaming over yeah. it. I'd yeah. rather time it right. <laughs> they did know? have a mood director. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I always mm-hmm. say, let me let me just do them. You know, just like pass me your phone or note, whatever it is, yeah. and I'll work it in. That was the only one thing with Noir. That I could be in the middle of a mix, he'd be like, "Now, now, now," and I'm like, "Fuck!" Like, and you just gotta dead it. You gotta dead it. Now I'm trying to fucking play. And I was like, I think he used to just say, "I was always, I was always the prima." He called me like the prima donna or like the fucking diva because I would just be like, I would make him wait till I like mixed a song and stuff like that. He used to hate that shit. I kind of see it. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of see why. No, you gotta wait. I, I would, I would make him wait, man. Who's well, like speaking of AM and all these guys, who was one of your major influences, like DJ DJs? Pretty much all the dudes that were playing in the LA circuit from like two thousand let's see, I started going out like thirteen about thirteen years ago, so that's what, uh two thousand seven ish? Two thousand three to like two thousand ten. So it was really the tail end of, of, of the AM run and Guys like Stone and Graham and Adam Twelve, um, Spider, all the guys that were really just doing all the cool spots in LA before everything kind of shifted towards like crazy bottle service stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, yeah. And I was just kind of always trying to hang around with older, older dudes, older like music guys and DJs because I feel like that's how you learn the most. You know, mm-hmm. even in school, like I was always hanging out with older kids that could, you know show me dope music that I wouldn't know or you know what I mean like I I love that quote um you're the average of the five people you hang around uh most with Mm -hmm. so I really like believe in that and that was kind of like from high school like even until now I'm always like hanging around with older people I can kind of just like put me on a shit so it was really those guys and um yeah even still to this day really you know yeah go ahead you remember your first like piece of equipment like yeah, I had a, a Gemini starter pack. The, okay. The Gemini, like... The battle pack? Yeah, the battle pack. 
I was like, what was in that? I, it was like two turntables and like was one, it Bell Drive or Direct? Direct. No, no, they were they Yours were Bell, were Bell Drive. Drive? Yeah. No, I had the new mark. Those were like Direct. They were good, but they're <laughs> heavy as shit. Like to mix, <laughs> it was a it was a heavy hand. I'm trying to think what was the cost of that starter pack back then. I paid two fifty for it was like three oh, or four hundred bucks. That's yeah. it. That's damn. Yeah. But my 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 turntables were like plastic, like this plastic. Oh wow, so they were not even heavy, but yeah. Yeah. still, man, you had the turntables, so you was able to practice. Yeah, and it had like a high, medium, low. It was a two channel, nothing else. So it was just a battle pack. I remember my first set of Bell drives, and then when I, yeah, when I graduated high school, I gave them to uh, like a, a a younger kid in high school. <laughs> She's like you're my yeah. prodigy. His name was Evan. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I, I thought they were like absolute crap. It was like, you want this? These linear tech <laughs> fucking belt drive turns. It was like, yeah, please. I think he was a sophomore freshman. And uh, and I was like, yeah, fuck it. And I gave it to him. And then uh, I bumped into him like in Miami. He's actually DJing in Miami and shit. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Damn. I was like, oh, you shit. Well, I was like, well, that- it was because of you, Cricket. You no, but I was actually happy. I was like, well, so you, you gave did- it to him. You didn't sell it to him. No, I just gave it to him. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Did you, I- did you start with vinyl or are you straight to Serato? I started with vinyl because when I got those turntables, I was um, probably around like 13 or 14. And it was right. It was like right around the cusp of digital music starting to become a thing. It Mm -hmm. was like Napster. And I was a crazy nerd. I mean, I'm still a nerd, but um, I started downloading like lots and lots of MP3s. I got a LimeWire. I got like a a DSL pause. Uh, oh yeah, that was a shit. Remember, like, that was a shit. Yeah, yeah. And you could download. Like, yeah, that, that was, was a high first speed, high internet. speed yeah. internet. So I DSL started really pause. collecting a lot of um, digital music. Wait, and why is the pause on DSL? Dick sucking lips. I didn't know that. Yeah, DSL. Oh, really? I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah. DSL. Or if it's current, our age, this was a problem. Yeah. No, um, man, DSL was like the move when you're like 15. You didn't say pause. <laughs> yeah, I was buying, I was buying some vinyls just fucking around at the crib. Yeah, um, but it was like you know, like allowance type shit. Like I wasn't really building like a crazy record collection. I was like just downloading a lot of music, and then right when all the digital DJing shit started, I was like, oh shit, like this is gonna change the game. I remember seeing AM at Concord. It was like two thousand. Shit, 2005? Does that sound about right? 2006? Yeah, probably five, six. Yes. I definitely, I wasn't 21, and I, I saw him using Serato. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing up yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, like, a couple crates of records, and I would do, like, high school parties and, like, little things like that, but very limited. And mm. it was really just a hobby. And Serato definitely, like, changed the game completely in terms of just, like, having all that music you know what I mean? At your disposal. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, what area LA you know, for you better or worse, you know. What area of LA you grew up in? I grew up in the Valley in Encino. Oh, okay. Um, I went to high school in Panorama City. Oh, okay. Tiny little private high school called Montclair Prep. I know my, I used to play yeah. against them. I played uh, yeah. basketball and ran track against them. That was yeah. actually, yeah. It's a they're big sports school. Yeah. I used to like, yeah. they're actually, it's actually like closed now. Really? The school closed. What? No really? way. Yeah. It was always like, there was always some shady stuff going what? on. What? I didn't know that. The headmaster was like changing grades. They had dorms and would, and would fly you know, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That shit is crazy. Dude, that, that was like a big time That's, school when I was yeah. coming up. Like Montclair Prep had like a lot of really good athletes. Was that a private school? school? Yeah. They, yeah, used that's serve, why. they used to serve you, D? Nah, man. Nah, 
He was, uh, yeah. It was a private. It was a private school, but it was like a private school for like rejects, pretty much. Okay. Like it was the kids that got kicked out of like the good private schools would like go there. So it was like the B grade. Yeah. yeah. And it was in the hood, like deep in the valley. Yeah. The school would be locked down like sometimes with like. Or the valley got some shootouts. Yeah. Damn. Some bad shootouts. I did not know that school was shut down. That's crazy. It got shut down. They they had dorms on campus where they would recruit athletes from like Africa and Europe and they yeah. would put them up. It was like so illegal. And they would play. <laughs> wow. That's how I got shut down. <laughs> yeah. That sounds crazy. Sounds crazy. <laughs> Important yeah, right? athletes at 16. That's like those little league uh, those little league teams with like fucking 18 year old players and shit. <laughs> Yo, but little known fact, Michael Jackson actually went to Montclair. Michael Jackson graduated from my high school. Damn. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Damn. I wonder if the school uh, closed when he passed. <laughs> Yo, stop. <laughs> <laughs> something something diabolical was going on between them. Did you have you seen that movie in mid nineties? No, but I heard you just destroy it on Bash the last time. Sure. <laughs> I just find uh, like LA fascinating. Like when you like Jamie, when you were talking about um, when you're talking about doing house parties yeah. at USC, but then USC being in the hood. That's really hard. But then he's talking about, you know, your school in the valley, and then it, it's like in the hood too. Valley has its pockets. Yeah. Van Nuys is, is Van Nuys? Yeah, Van Nuys. Yeah, Van Nuys is fucking but, bad. But it's not really, is it the hood, or is it just that there's gang territory around there? Like, how does that work? What's the, I'm just fascinated by the whole gang shit and like how has, motherfuckers you, you make the wrong. You make the wrong right, you might end up in, like, in a bad neighborhood. It, the hood is not like a large. It should, it's just like that one neighborhood that's bad. So yeah, well, the valley it. is predominantly more like Mexican hood, where like USC and that whole area is like more like black and yeah. mixed. Yeah, mixed hood. Yeah. The valley is traditionally like very like Mexican. Mexico. Yeah, I think it's like on the East Coast. You guys have the boroughs, yeah. but like it'll be like nice, and then one wrong turn, you hit like a little area. No, but it's it pretty so drastic. Nice. <laughs> yeah. it's, there's a good separation. Yeah. Except yeah. No, it's little, definitely good separation. Except See, the only no, the only thing that was separation. weird. <laughs> the only thing that was weird was in Manhattan to uh -huh. me was Spanish Harlem. Like literally when you cross 96th Street. Yeah. You were oh, in yeah, the hood. Definitely. Well, that's kind of like the same. So you yeah. cross one street over and you're like. But no, that, that was that was very rare in New York. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was usually like a gradual, you know, like okay. West Harlem was like a gradual, like it was like 110 and then you start hitting 115 and then then 120 and then they're like, okay, now. And then like, boom, <laughs> like shit starts changing, you know what I mean? Nah, yeah. yeah, LA is different. But like only in East Harlem and Spanish Harlem did you literally cross the street and you're like, whoa, like. What the fuck? Like, like like yeah. It's like crossing the the railroad. So like so, even yeah. like in Compton, like you have like Compton, which is not a bad area, it just has a name. But one wrong turn in Compton, and it could turn into something completely. What's different. that city next to Compton? Carson. No, no, no. I, 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 I want to school Carson. Dominguez Hills. No, yeah, that's why I want to school. That. Okay. No, the the one that starts with the P. Ooh, uh, uh, it's not Panorama. Paramount. Paramount. Yeah. Panorama. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, Paramount. Yeah. You're like good, and then you cross the bridge, and you're in Compton, like the yeah. bad side of Compton. Yeah, it's like if you like just happen to be, and you don't know where you're going, you could literally hit the wrong street, and it could get. So scarce. this is a good side of Compton. Yeah, yeah. Like Compton's side. not bad. When yeah. I think of Compton, of course, you would think of NWA. Yeah, 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 well, actually, right. there's like a big industrial section yeah, of Compton. Yeah. Like I literally go to Compton a lot for making clothes. Yeah, there's a huge like industrial that, um, yeah, yeah, company, yeah. Drifters, out there. Drifters out there, yeah, and then right. but there's also other manufacturers out there, and then mm -hmm. there's um 
there's like uh, fabric motherfuckers out there. There's like a like a uh, airline companies have companies. Yeah, over yeah, yeah, not that like, bad. Yeah, um, there's like in it's literally industrial. Super I don't industrial. think I don't think I've ever been to like Compton, Compton. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, I mean Compton, Watts. Carson like, is crazy. Is it still bad now? Carson is still bad. Like in during I, the day, could I walk into like? Yeah, I wouldn't leave school like that. Like I went to college in Carson, and I wouldn't go to like the Seven Eleven across the street. Fuck that. So <laughs> for real, <laughs> Watts Watts is in Compton. No, no, no. Watts is a separate city, but okay, Watts is that, completely. Uh, Nothing, nothing's good in Watts. Yeah, yeah Watts. <laughs> What's, worse? What's worse? What's uh, worse? Watts. I would say South Watts is Central? where, um, where. Um, riots, do you remember *Minutes right? of Society*? The movie *Minutes of Society*. Yeah. The yeah. Nickerson mm-hmm. Gardens. Um, that's that's uh, that whole movie was Watts. Like that. Who put Watts on? It was Tyrese, right? Yeah, no. Tyrese from Watts. That's crazy. That so Tyrese in, put in, uh, Watts on. But he didn't put Watts on. He did. MC eight. MC eight is from Watts. <laughs> that's how I Whatever found out about Watts. Whoever put the Watts towers on the map was the one. Was Tyrese. No, I think it was somebody well, before MC8, Tyrese. Tyrese's MC8 video was, was in the, the what no. are those, Electric Towers. Yeah, the Watts yeah. Towers. Yeah, that's what, that was, he, like. No, I think somebody. Because that's what I remember, he, he would, like, rep yeah. Watts, and I'm like. Wait, Colors, no, Colors did not. Yeah, they had a they had a car crash there. Yeah, yeah so I, I think it was around, I think it was Colors, Ice T, something. No, it was, but it was just it was definitely Minis- Tyrese, because Minis- I was Society like, yo, was like, like, Tyrese. <laughs> to me, that Watts? was, like, the movie that put Watts on was Menace to Society. Menace to Society? Yeah, they, everything I think the L.A. riots started in Watts. It did. Yeah, it did, too. Yeah. I think Watts. Is that the Rodney King riots? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then back in the 60s, they actually had the Watts riots, which is a completely different thing. There's a lot of shit that goes yeah. on I don't know what sparked the Watts riots, but I know it was a big deal. Y'all LA motherfuckers love the to riot. The jungles are fucking yeah. scary, too. Yeah. Don't go into the jungles, guys. <laughs> what the fuck is the jungles? Yeah, I never heard training of the jungles. Day? Remember training day where he goes into that one street? It's so like what is that, building? like a neighborhood? That's a neighborhood. Yeah. That shit is it's scary. It's called the jungle. It's yeah. called the jungle. Concrete jungle. jungle. They call it the concrete jungle. Don't go in there, guys. It's like who, one way. Who want to go into it's the only, concrete? It's jungle. only one way. It sounds scary. <laughs> no, but then then they have to. Um, what's it's the all name? Bloods. Who's the guy that filmed that shit? Uh, Trinity. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're doing. Um, the director. It wasn't F. Guy Gray. It was the other. Was Antoine Fuqua. Fuqua. Yeah. Yeah. Antoine. Antoine Fu- he had yeah. to get permission from the fucking neighborhood, That's right. right? Yeah. yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. You don't go yeah. in there. It's scary. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by gang. That whole gang life shit. With the whole fucking the the pigeons, the clapping the pigeons. Yeah. That's some crazy shit, man. But I yeah, feel like it's yeah. one and the same. Like like politics said, like no matter what hood it is, like if one we might might be more like Latino based, or one might be more black or whatever. But it's kind of the same yeah. shit. Did man. you grow up around Mexicans a lot? or no? What was your like inner group? Mont- Montclair was pretty diverse, actually, just because mm-hmm. like it was it was a lot of kids that were on scholarships mm-hmm. that were doing like sports mm-hmm. stuff, and then a lot of. Just people and kids like from all walks of life. So um, I wouldn't say like particularly grew up around too many Mexicans. It was just kind of like a couple of my close friends growing up were black and they, they were, you know, playing basketball at Montclair. Yeah, um, playing on sports? Or what? I played football for like a year and then, you know. What um, happened? You got injured or some shit? I broke my finger. I, like, you know. You're a DB or you're Yeah, like white, white Jews can't be playing football. White Jews can't be playing I'm saying white shoes can I be playing football? So like yeah. when you were coming up in high school and stuff like that, it was just hip hop was everywhere, pretty much. Is that what got you into DJing kind of? Yeah, well, class I, I was always, six, right? I would have been class oh six. I actually yeah. left high school early. I took my proficiency test and I went oh, to okay. SMC. Because I was gonna say that's yeah. like the mid two thousand the dip said G unit era. Class oh yeah. six. Hell yeah. I think I graduated high school in ninety five, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm oh seven because he's a year older, so I'm assuming. 
Yeah, he's 06. But yeah, hip hop was everywhere. I grew up on hip hop. Uh, my older brother was always feeding me like Wu Tang and Outkast and all yeah. the like mid 90s hip hop. And then I started kind of going back in time from there. Um, I was always like a big fan of of producers, like hip hop producers. Yeah, I would it was always a big read, thing. Yeah, yeah. Read like the liner notes, and I remember discovering Kanye, and I saw Kanye open for Fifty in two thousand three, the House of Blues. Yeah, and I kind of like already knew who he was, mm-hmm. and he was like cocky as ever, like yo, y'all may not know me, but I produce this, I produce that. This is my new single, Jesus Walks. Um, Damn. So I was always into hip hop. My mom was actually a musician. She was a, a singer that moved here from Russia when she was 14. Oh, uh-huh. She was kind of like a, like a child prodigy uh, singer that ended up leaving, coming here, having me and meeting my stepdad. And she was just always having music around the house. Um, even like piano, drum machine, crazy CD record collection. So that's kind of like where the early music mm-hmm. influence came from. Uh-huh. And then just watching like MTV and all the, all the hip hop shit going on in the 90s. Yeah. It's really like what inspired me to even get turntables. Yeah. It's crazy um, how hip hop has evolved to what it is now. Yeah. And how heavily influenced it is by social media. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, how do you feel? Like I always say this, I, I'm sure you've heard it on the other episodes. I think it's the worst year for club music. This year? Yeah. And I've never said that, ever. I don't think it's the worst year in music, but club music, yeah. I think club music, just for the fact that the big songs that should be working, don't work. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, remember back in the day, even like horrible songs like the Kevin Rudolph and all of that shit? Yeah. Like, oh, I hated God. those songs, but they worked. I think what's really happened, and a lot of DJs predicted that this would happen over the last few years, is like, music has become very, kind of like, it's segregated, but it's also kind of like very in one in one as well. Like it, it's it's a weird thing that happened, especially in clubs, because all the records that you're talking about are probably like super slow, right? Like 55 to like 65 BPM, where if you're playing in Vegas in a big room, you can't play like a full verse at like of a 60 BPM song in a ma- in a massive club. Like drip too hard. Yeah. You got to like make you got to mix in and out quick, you know. Hey, well, Cardi B um Bodak Bodak Yellow. Yellow, you could play the whole song. And that there's, was, that was really be exception. That's yeah. like the exception. That's a exactly. unicorn though. That's yeah. a I don't yeah. know how that record yeah. <laughs> just but, came in. But what I mean by like the segregation is more like there's there's rap that's made specifically now for like Atlanta clubs and like oh yeah for hip-hop clubs you know Mm -hmm. where like before it was kind of like you had records that would work you could play anywhere well people wanted to make crossover music now like people doesn't i don't think anyone cares about crossover music they just want to build their own following right it's really the djs that are making crossover music like snake and and ghetto you know he's trying to calvin yeah well there was a perception that crossover music was what was successful and what was going to like make you money yeah. Now there's lanes that you can really make your own shit, and it doesn't have to be crossover, like you said. Because yeah, it's still all, be it's super yeah. segregated. Yeah. Well, the, well, also yeah. the problem with making crossover music is that um, I think now uh, you're not really building a following for yourself because mm-hmm. you're just making crossover music, and there's really no identity to the music sometimes. Oh, man. Don't even get me started on that. Yeah. I mean, look at like yeah. Katy Perry, how much she's struggling right now. Yeah. like yeah, you oh, know yeah. what i mean all the pop stars because because yeah. pop like in today's world kids like want to be a part of a culture you yeah. know what i mean 
and pop stars there's no culture around pop stars right. it's all just yeah. like it's manufactured just exactly you know um yeah. that's why like that whole saturday night live katie perry thing where she had migos with her and she looked like she was like an alien on stage with them it was just <laughs> so struggled. forced it was so forced yeah, even Same like, thing with Taylor uh, Swift. Look at Taylor Swift. She's the biggest pop star in the world, but none of her music charts exactly. on Spotify or any of that. She'll sell out. Arenas. But she's still selling yeah. units, though. Of course. But, but look at Christine Aguilera. She can't sell her well, album with Taylor like Swift. Has she that, tried, though? She dropped the album this summer. Damn. That's how bad it is. How do you even know? Exactly. Yo, that's how bad it was. It's too much yeah. music coming Wait, out. are you serious? Yeah. Holy and I, shit. And everything Kanye produced a song on the album. What? Wow. No yeah. way. Yeah. Damn, man. I never heard of this shit. Nah. Check it. Look it up, man. Yeah. I think Taylor Swift can still sell out a, a stadium because she had that country singing background and those people but were her, to, for but, her but cult following. Exactly. But yeah. it's almost like she has to tap into that now. Yeah. 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 And see, it's kind of like what you're talking about with the crossover music. That's really what works, right? In the clubs. Like, that's kind of what's been missing, if you think about it. Because, you know, like everything is segregated and there's so much content coming out. That it's like, if a kid is, a, if a hip hop kid's at the club, he probably like hasn't even heard like a handful of huge pop songs that like you're gonna play. Uh -huh. And it's just because there's so much music constantly coming out that it's impossible to keep up with everything. Right. So people kind of just pay attention to like certain genres now. Right. And, it, and there's less and less crossover records. So I think that's really what's contributing well, to it. I think it's, it's a mixture of a bunch of things, but I think crossover music kind of fucked up nightclubs a little bit. Because it wasn't always about crossover music. It was the DJs picking music that became crossover music. You know what I mean? And then when iTunes came out and when Serato came out, people started to control the music. And then we started having to listen to what the people wanted. Remember? They were kind of forcing us to play. Even to this day, they're, they're forcing us to play songs. When yeah. back in the day, the DJs controlled the songs. So we actually dictated what made it and what didn't make it. If yeah. that makes any sense. So, like, I think what's going on is that I think there is a shift going on where you're starting to see more DJs build their own parties with mm -hmm. music that translates or identifies with them more. And they're building a following. So, yeah, yeah. like, my, my boy DJ Mom was doing it. Um, yeah, his party's legendary yeah. right now. So, so Super Sam has her 143 Dizza in Miami. But these guys are building their own sound. And then they're they're building a crowd, and I think that's the route that yeah. DJ should be going at, right? Eli Escobar. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Eli Escobar, perfect example. Yeah. That's a guy. I think uh, Adam Twelve has one in the late. Yeah, he's got a couple. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He has this crazy one on Tuesday nights called Cloak and Dagger, and uh -huh. it's a goth party. So it's all Never. super dark music, and you got to have a membership oh, to, to go. That's some shit DJ yeah. Wonder would be at. That's some LA shit. Yo, yeah. it's it's and it's crazy. It's dope. I think Mr. Bro. Best has one yeah. too. It's dope. Yeah. He has a lot of dope guests. Like Diplo will pull up and just start playing shit, and it's all kind of like dark, grungy, like Depeche Mode, and like you know, like the Smiths, and like really just like cool. That sounds fun music. and scary at the same time. Yeah. It's scary as fuck. They yeah. do like they do these like <laughs> rituals. Like you'll be there, and someone will come up to you and just be like, "Yo, like come downstairs." And they'll take you in a room and do some like weird voodoo shit. It's okay, like, we're not going yeah. to that shit. <laughs> some shit. You find the Echoplex. No, but th that's the type of shit that when I'm in LA and I have a night off, like I'll, I want to go there because then I'll get inspired. Yeah, yeah. Versus just going like the same Stay shit. Stay away from that yeah. politics. You might get a voodoo. Nah. You don't want that shit, man. You got black cats walking around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you got to walk on the uh, ladder. Damn. Backwards. I mean, 
We should check that out. We should check that out. Oh, and you, you got to wear all black, fully all black. If you have like we any all, white. Do that. Do that. <laughs> it's easy. If you have yeah. any any color, like even like a little, like if the sole or the, the outline of your shoe white. is white, they have tape and they make you put tape on. Oh, wow. Dude. Yeah. You're fucking up the sneakers too. Right. But no, you're you're 100% right. That's always been, I feel like, the way to go for DJs is to build an identity and build a party. You know, like banana split. Yeah, yeah. Dim Mac Tuesday. Because the thing is, like, people people listen to the music they listen to. When you when you go to an event where you don't know the music, but you see everyone wilding out to it, you become intrigued because you're like, how come I don't know this? Damn, this sounds kind of good. And then that's when you start learning about, you know, like I remember going into like reggae parties and being like, yo, this shit is dope. How do I learn more about reggae and start researching reggae? Even like reggaeton, like I love reggaeton right now. I'm doing like s- stupid research on reggaeton and shit, and I like, I can't stop listening to it. But it's like one of those things where, it's like you got to go out of your element to really learn that, and people want that. The only thing is the the managers at clubs and the marketing people they don't want to do that. No, and I've yeah. tried to kind of convince some spots to let me do that and do a night where it's like all about the music and you build an identity, but it's it's just so hard because that they don't get it you know it's like you got to start it yourself so you do it at a small spot start small yeah you start small you gotta do something like the dime or something right like something that size like in la dime is still too small yeah i think you could start something there yeah and then like start something there have it come you know become a larger thing and then move it to another venue or whatever like that yeah but it's got to start really small there's a spot Mm -hmm. in la called adults only Mm -hmm. and that shit's a dope ass spot i got dj there a few times you done that I haven't I haven't DJed there, but it's like a hole in the wall. It's like in a shopping center, but that that spot that's a good spot to start up something. Adults only. Yeah, like you walk in through like a like a porno yeah, video it's like store. Yeah, a porno video store. <laughs> oh, it's a club. <laughs> yeah, but that's just dope as fucking there. But like spots like that, lock and key, the dime. That's where they should like focus at. Yeah, man, there's got to be a love for 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 the music and the love for the scene to do that too, because it's not all like I think that's kind of what's missing. It's just. It be, it's become like a corporate, like Agreed. nightlife has just become like a, a real corporate. I don't yeah. know. Like you feel like that yeah. maybe just in Vegas or like any everywhere, 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 everywhere right now, yeah. everywhere. And it's just kind of. I think maybe it's the bottle service uh, formula that just kind of spread 100%. everywhere. You know, yeah, and like it just became this thing. One four three style Los Globos, and that's like a real grimy yeah, club, R&D like, party. Yeah, yeah, and that shit's like a eighties like club that's never been fixed up. So that's where one four three starts. So it started like in a real, like in a weird place, and now it's like in a like in a bigger club and in a bigger space. But they even started like in like in the eighties club that my dad used to go to. It's like wow. really grimy, like the fucking floors creak and shit. It's weird. The one four, I've never been to one four three, but really it's like good. it's all Asians, right? Majority, eighty <laughs> percent. <laughs> Some stranglers. All nineties hip hop, right? All '90s, mid 2000s hip hop and R&B. I'm wondering if you start if you start a following of parties or whatever it is, mm-hmm. if race comes into play. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if if you're like if I'm Korean and I start a party, would it be Asian based more? Do you know? Is it mm-hmm. is that you think there's a stronger way of pulling it? I mean, obviously it's going to start Korean or Asian, right? And then it kind of builds off of like maybe more some white people come in, some black people come in, and then it starts becoming a bigger mixed thing. But it always starts with like the race of whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they they there's a new club in LA called Arena, I think, mm-hmm. and it's in 
K-Town, I believe. It's very Asian-based. Yeah. But I think it's more so because of the location. Maybe. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, but it's a lot of hip-hop. Well, I look at, like, for example, I look at, like, the do-over, right? Yeah. And I don't, I feel like it's kind of mixed, but it's more, like, maybe more white people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I look at, like, Moments Party, Everyday People, and there's, a, like, a very strong African base. Right. Right? And that's important. I think, I don't think it's bad that it starts with one race because it's like, you know, it's kind of like it, it's bringing a large group of people together. Mm-hmm. And, then they're f- and then they kind of mold in a sound with the DJ and a look with the DJ. And then people get intrigued and they just start coming in. And, it, and then it becomes like widespread. And then before you know it, like Afrobeat starts spreading more because of MoMA right. and everyday people. Mm-hmm. And it starts affecting music like it is right now. Like mm-hmm. Afrobeat's affecting production right now. Hell yeah. That's yeah. my favorite genre that's really kind of started to like really pop over the last couple of years. It's amazing. Yeah. I think it's, and when you go to like, I don't know if you've been to Moma's party. I mean, next time in LA, I think we should all go. But yeah. Oh, uh, he brings it to LA now too. Oh, it's huge. In I LA just went, right yeah, now. Uh, I went for the first time. It's crazy. Where was it at again? Jardin? El Jardin. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was so dope. Like it's a, it's like the a, energy was just it's like insane. the warmest nightclub feeling ever. Yeah, where they're just like, I'm like you're talking to like, rant like I never talk to strangers when I go to nightclubs, and I'm like, Rockticon's like dancing. I was there with Rockticon. Oh, I one. saw him smile for the first yeah. time in a video. Rockticon oh was like dancing with these girls, and they were like talking, and we were talking to them, and it's like I went to them. I said, when have we ever gone out to a club? And then, like, we literally talk to people. He's like, smiling. He's like, nah, you're right. You're right. He's like, <laughs> well, that's what used you know? to make clubs fun. Like, when I was growing up, too, is like the mix of people. Yeah. Because it was really only one place to be in LA <laughs> on any given night. And it was always just like such an eclectic mix of people. So right. Like skaters and rappers, actors, like, just such a like widespread, like, palette of people that yeah. you like go and talk to people. It's like interesting, you know? Yeah. Where now it's just like that's that's how it should be like in New York, like in early early nineties, mid nineties. Like um, Bill Spector used to do these parties with Stretch Armstrong be DJing or Mark Ronson, and they have like a mitts, like a mitts, a lot of different people, like actors, rappers. Yeah, like because you couldn't your, buy your, your way drug in. dealer. Your like yeah. it was just everybody was just chilling, hanging out. Like, you couldn't buy your way in. Really, that's what what changed everything. Is like. Oh, spend two grand on on bottles. Okay, you could come in, and then it just kind of all went downhill from there. Yo, yeah, I remember yeah. clubs turning away people who wanted to buy bottles. Yeah, just yeah. because they didn't want Wall Street motherfuckers well, yeah, inside. Guys in like suits and shit. It's yeah. like, nah, you can't they come can't in. Come yeah. in. Now yeah. it's like, yo, how many is a five bottle minimum? Fine, yeah, yeah come in. Yeah. And then all the old um, Bolt House parties in L.A. It was like fifteen hundred bucks for table. That was it. There were no like minimums or anything. It's like fifteen hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. If you know Jen or Brent or any of the other promoters that are doing it, or or AM or Samantha, whoever was DJing, and that was it. It's fifteen hundred bucks, like, and yeah. it's not like just anyone. It's like fifteen hundred bucks, and you gotta be in the mix with the people that are throwing the party. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Are, yeah, are you guys? Are you well? Politics, since you're here, <laughs> you know, to show. Are you are pretty much like? Are you confident in any room? You think to read it, like to read a room. Yeah, I think at this point, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. What do, what do you think, we, me and uh, Jamie were talking about it earlier, but what do you think taught you how to read a room the best? And then and then there's certain rooms that I'm not too confident in sometimes. 
It depends, but I'll let you. I think it's just really experience. It's not really like a skill in, in a sense of me looking at people and seeing like what they're reacting to. It's more just like, okay, I know that I'm going to live in Miami and I know that there I'm going to probably play a little bit more electronic just because like it's a bigger room and maybe play a little bit more Latin music mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, um, play a little bit more like the sexy house shit. Um, it's really just like preparing and knowing where you're going, like doing the research. And then once you're there, I guess just kind of just like feeling it out and trusting your instincts. I think instincts are really important in DJ and it's like probably the most important thing um, for me is like instincts and song selection. And I think that kind of like turns in a uh, reading a room. You know do you I mean? do the research with like uh, listening to like the openers and what they're playing and stuff like are that or talking DJ, with people? Or you contact DJs from that city or? Sometimes. I mean, I've been doing a lot of the same spots for a while now. It's mm-hmm. kind of like in this circuit um, in the U.S. where like I'm pretty confident I know every room just because I've like played there already. But if I'm going to a new spot, probably, yeah, hit up like if I know a DJ there yeah. or the or owner or whoever yeah. it is. Um, but it's pretty straightforward these days. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. we got our records and we have our sets and we know what works and what doesn't you've talked many times about certain songs that like don't work mm-hmm. in sets and we just know that so it's like probably you know just stay clear of those records or you know take risk and and play one of but really it's just like if you're going to a specific city maybe and like there's certain there's a certain sound that that city's known for you just kind of got to know that you know mm-hmm. maybe in new york i'll play more like boom bap shit at marquee I'll play some like older 90s hip hop shit that I wouldn't ever play in LA. But it's really just like kind of like paying attention. Yeah. How different is it when you do New York? I feel like New York is maybe one of the hardest uh, cities to fucking to really understand or like to really grasp. Yeah. I mean, I always love New York hip hop. So I have like a pretty deep knowledge of it. So I love it. I love playing. Actually, I did a show at Marquee <clears throat> a couple weeks ago that was the best Wednesday I've done there. Probably ever. What's the What's the biggest song like that besides Sheck West? <laughs> Shit. Travis Scott. Probably Travis yeah, Scott or Drake. Or Anything Cardi B. Anything yeah. Cardi B. Anything Cardi B. A lot of Six Nine shit probably works better there. Hell yeah. Right, than any other city. Is LA still on that shit where they don't want to hear Six Nine or some shit? I don't know, bro. I feel like that's loosened up. Yeah. I feel like it's loosened up. I don't I think mean, it's as as crazy as it was. I right? never thought I'd be playing as many of these Six Nine records, but. Yeah, it's kind of undeniable. Like it? It's like undeniable at this point. Yeah, you know, I like some of them. Yeah, I don't know why. I feel like the radio is still kind of like on this thing where they don't do it, but the clubs they kind of loosened oh, up. Oh, it's not on the radio in LA. Yeah. I was out there I for think the last. Fifi might be. Yeah, I think Fifi because of Nikki, but yeah, that's about yeah. it. But I feel like the clubs are like playing Fifi for sure, but radio is just like yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think like reading a room. I always see like there's uh, to me there's these like intro songs. And what I mean by intro songs, I would say a song that introduces another genre or another category of music. So, like, let's say I'm in a hip-hop club and I want to see if I can do reggaeton. I know there's, like, a reggaeton song that's, like, kind of more acceptable in a hip-hop crowd. That everybody knows. And if I see someone, like, if I see them while out, I say, okay, let me take them a little, 
Let me take them a little right. Let me take them to the the right side, the reggaeton side. Yeah, like the feelers. Throw a little feeler tracks. Yeah. Yeah, that's a better word, feeler tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Pause. I Um. use, (laughs) for reggae, I always try to use like a, I do that for reggae a lot. So like if I can play Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm like, definitely. Okay. Murder, she wrote yeah, yeah. dude. All right, if yeah. they like Murder, she wrote. Now I know what I can, I can. I can navigate a little set. And yeah, then go, you and, know then what mean? and there's like feeler feeler tracks for like '90s shit. Yeah. Like you know, and there's feeler tracks for like rock. There's for house. There's all types of shit where you're like, it's. Let me see if I could do this, and you can usually tell like, oh shit, they're not feeling this. Let me go mm-hmm. back. You know, <laughs> get what I mean? out of it right away. <laughs> yeah, but it's on the cusp. I feel it's almost like food. If like you know, like if you don't really like fish. Mm-hmm. But a motherfucker make you like a tuna fish sandwich. Like, oh, that wasn't bad. And like, do you want sushi? Like, yeah, yeah. and try to give him like crab, right? Like a California roll. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, California roll is not bad. All right, let's do uh, spicy tuna. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before you start getting into like, you know, deep fried soft shells. <laughs> yeah. You know? I think an- another reason why I'm, I'm kind of like reluctant to say that I'm really like reading rooms is like the last few years, I feel like. I've been preparing my sets a lot more just because, you know, before it was like, all right, you're playing for like four hours. You could kind of just like feel and, 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 and Uh like get a vibe for the the club and just kind of go from there. But now it's like, all right, you got two hours. If I'm playing two hours at excess or marquee or wherever, I'm like, all right, I have like a lot of music. I got to squeeze into this two hour set. So I'm preparing a lot more Uh and, very rarely will I really like deviate far away from what I'm imagining the night to be. Right. You know, I'll always like before go through like some old records, maybe like some throwbacks that I want to like throw in and do a separate crate. Uh-huh. But really, I'm. It's it's been a lot more, especially with these big rooms where you got to keep the energy on ten the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah. It's like a lot more preparation versus like actually feeling out the room. That's just kind of my experience. Yeah. Do See. You- Right. Uh, do you make a lot of your edits or, or I'm, I make quite a bit of edits but I also like to because I have like one or two politics yeah I have a lot that I haven't put out that I should probably put out but then you usually make these for like the bigger rooms or yeah, yeah like, usually okay yeah but going back to uh, what you were saying about having a, a like a like a, a fixed set that you want to follow if you sense that certain songs aren't working do you still stick with it just to kind of be like, well, let me get through this because it's leading somewhere and I want to lead them somewhere. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'll I'll do a set and I'll be like, you know what? I want to get through these songs so it leads to this. And even though I see it might not be getting the best response, it's leading up to something that's going to get a huge response. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. just, just follow me. And they're, they're kind of like testing you out. They're following you. And then when they realize where you're going, they're like, oh, okay, you just kill that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah, I think it do depends. You, do you try to like not deviate so you can just kind of get? Because I feel what you're trying to do is like you're you're setting up a set because you're kind of like, look, I got this one chance to do this big room and have my style or statement out there, and I'd rather be consistent to my exactly. statement than try to like read a room. Well, almost. Yeah, I mean, something that I've really tried to do over the last few years is kind of incorporate what a lot of the EDM DJs do, like like my favorite EDM DJs, like RL Grime and uh, like Dylan and A-Track and Diplo, mm-hmm. where um, it's almost like, it's a it's like you could hear the set at a festival, like it's that type of energy, uh-huh. but also um, 
you know, just kind of like incorporate a lot of the things that the, the electronic guys do mixed in with like an open format style. So um, whether it's like, you know, I use like loop rolls sometimes for transition, like I'll, I'll just like find a loop and then just roll it and kind of like filter it out and then just drop something right. like little things like that um, to where it's just like kind of unique, you know what I mean? And it's, and it's, like I said, you can kind of maybe hear it at like a festival and the energy's on 10 and I'm just kind of like injecting my style, dropping a lot of those kind of like left field records yeah. um, that an EDM DJ wouldn't do. But um, is it more like you're curating a show? Yeah, That's why? exactly. Yeah. That's kind of like what what they do. You know, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't give a fuck like what any of these guys say. I mean, laid back Luke likes to say that he goes into every show not knowing what he's going to play. Yeah. But like, I don't buy that you know <laughs> like you know we we all know like some some of these bigger dudes and like i see them in their record box i mean they have like a whole set pretty much yeah. planned out in like a couple of different crates some of them is just pre-recorded anyway and just, mm -hmm. right. you know um but yeah that's that's i think that's really what it's kind of turned into and why i've been successful and still kind of doing a lot of the bigger rooms because mm -hmm. i kind of approach it that way and really keep it like try to keep the energy high Mm. Um, well, you you said that you've been working with uh, Mike Will. Ma yeah. Mike Will made it yeah. uh, because you guys have the same management. You said right. Yeah. And then you were kind of curating. You were DJing for him, but at the same time you were like curating a show, kind of a little bit for him. Yeah. So did, I, I was. Some of that thinking come from that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't DJing for him. What happened was he got booked to do some festivals okay. over the last couple of years. Um, you know, a lot of these hip hop producers, Metro did EDC right. uh, when Drake came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. A lot of these hip hop producers are doing festivals now. They have their own followings and um, have their own draw. So <clears throat> Mike got booked to do a couple of festivals and he he's done shows before. I think you mentioned like he did light and he's yeah. and he he's not like from a DJ background. He's like strictly a producer. producer. Mm -hmm. And one thing I really respect about him is like he's not going to like try to be like, oh, I'm just going to DJ and be like a sloppy DJ and just like try to like learn how to DJ now. Right. Yeah. You know, so he was just bringing his own DJ and kind of like emceeing and going that route, like yeah. the Khaled route. Mm -hmm. And when we linked up, I had a conversation with him and I was like, look, you, your productions and your music is on such a different level than all these other hip hop mm -hmm. guys. You know, he's one he's won grammys he's got multiple number ones doing records with like miley cyrus yeah, and, right and say like yeah. rihanna and and you know the impact he's had on a hip-hop production you know like his drums and the low end and all that saturation on the 808s like that's pretty much he invented all that shit mm -hmm. so i'm like your set has to be special like you got to stand out if you're going to do edc don't go up there and just like slam records like a lot of these guys do and like yeah. have people screaming over the mic and and he was like in full agreement and we pretty much just sat and went through a bunch of music and sequenced the whole set in ableton um i hired milo who um i'm sure you guys know milo no he was the that? lighting guy at marquee he designed like all the visuals when oh, they opened okay okay yeah and we pretty much put a, a show together an hour set with visuals that went with every transition every song that's crazy and yeah we we sat and you know he was like very hands-on with every transition how many bars this should be um let's not put that in let's do like a atl set mm -hmm. and it was actually pretty crazy i was in his room uh the day of edc and 
I came up with that, uh, the ATL idea and he loved it. I said, yo, we should like hit someone up and, and get them to like introduce the ATL set, like put it on the screen. And he's like, yeah, hold on. Let me just FaceTime TI real quick. So he literally FaceTimes TI and within like 10 minutes, TI sent him this whole video that we put up on the screen, pretty much just like shouting him out. Like, you know, uh, Mike will is, you know, a part of just as big of a part of Atlanta as I am. And it was just crazy, like working with him. And uh, sounds dope. Is that when yeah. he brought out Ludacris and shit, or he brought out Ray Tremor? Was that this year? Yeah. This year, yeah. Oh damn! He did an ATL set, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That's crazy. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so, like, I don't really expect well, Mike Will to fucking DJ. Yeah. Right? Oh, know? and what we what we also did is we set up like an NPC um, on one of the channels uh-huh. where um, he just had a bunch of his samples, and he, I left little pockets where he would like just kind of like drum over. Um, that's cool so yeah it, it, it was super dope um, so it was almost like you creative directed like, yeah damn it Quincy Jones <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it was super cool experience and um, just like being able to see him work you know we were in a lot of sessions he would book out you know like these crazy studios in LA like fucking Chalice and Record Plant for us to just like work on the set but then like big artist would show up and it would like turn into a session and I would like end up like engineering the session, you know? Wow, so like, it was like a super cool experience working with him. Um, he's just like all about like breaking rules and shit, you know? Um, and just really like, that's, that's kind of how he looks at everything. You know, I've seen him like cook up and it's like, he does things where, you know, I'm not like crazy beat maker, but I dabble a little bit and just seeing like, the way he programs the drums and he's like layering 808s with other 808s. I'm like, why would you do that? He's like, cause that's just like how I feel. You know, like it's a, it's a really cool process yeah. to watch him work. Yeah. Oh, what do you call it? Um, when you, when you were working with, uh, Mike will and stuff like that. And so when he was on stage and is he just playing Ableton pretty much? Because like, uh, what's his name? DJ Esco. Yeah. Uh, he futures doesn't DJ. Futures, yeah, D, DJ. yeah, futures DJ. He he has like a a residency at Dre's. He doesn't even DJ anymore. He just he's just like a front man. So was Mike Will like a front man or was he like behind the decks, fucking he, around a he little was bit? Behind the decks, fucking around, and he and he had the MPC, and it was um he was MCing a little bit, and he would yeah. go out in front mm-hmm. when they brought out Race Remmer, like he was with them. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so just kind of like, I guess front man you would say so with all of that like coordinating that all with him and kind of creative directing everything in your head where you kind of like i want to start maybe doing this shit with my set yeah absolutely is that why you're kind of in this in this point where you want to have it pre oh no 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 no. no. well i mean for me it was just more kind of like practice you know if i do end up playing festivals right putting together a set i mean i would do it live for sure right but um Oh, no, no, I mean, but I just mean the programming of it all. Like how you said you yeah. want to stick to a two-hour, like yeah, a yeah, yeah. program. Do you know yeah, what I totally. mean? Yeah, Yeah. Because I'm the total opposite. Yeah. Because from my experience, when I've done something programmed, it doesn't always register. Mm-hmm. But it also could be that my thinking might go over people's heads. Right. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. when I'm there with the crowd, I can understand exactly where they're going. And I could just kind of free ball it. Cause it's I, also very different at a festival because at a festival, people are there that's true, like yeah. ready to t- 
turn the fuck up. They want to yeah. see a show. They want to yeah. see a show. And Especially that's with the, the money you're making at a, at a festival, you got to prepare a show. Yeah. And that was the whole thing is like, let's, let's give them a show. Like, let's give them a show where like people will leave and not expect that from Mike Will. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's, that's really what happened. Yeah. Like the, all, all the feedback and like there were a couple of reviews mm-hmm. from bloggers that were there. They were all just like, wow, like we were not expecting that's that. That's dope. Nice. Yeah. So do, do, do you consult him with other shows and stuff like that? Does he hit you up? Um, it's really more for just like the festival stuff. When he gets booked to do other show, like smaller things, mm-hmm. he still has his DJ and he still kind of like rocks live with that. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be doing stuff next year. He's gonna have a big year. He's got that Creed Two oh, yeah. soundtrack. Oh, yeah. soundtrack yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard it. I, I heard it's really it. good. It's I really good. Is it out? Yeah, I think it I came out. It. Uh, it came out like two weeks ago. Yeah. It came out like a week before the movie did. Oh, shit, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good soundtrack. I heard I the movie. I haven't was, seen the movie yet. I heard the movie was awful. Wow. I liked it. I liked did it you? Too. I, liked, I thought it was really good. You're better than the first one. Yeah. 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 Really? really? Yeah. I like yeah. the first one. Not by a long shot. Really like, it's like it's really emotional. Like the yeah. a lot of stuff goes on. Like it's it's I'm not spoiling it, so I'm shut up. This is, yeah. uh does Rocky die? No. No. <laughs> but I heard that's his last one, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's what he said. I don't know. Maybe. I'm he's gonna beat me up over there. So <laughs> Oh wait, you you don't want him to say <laughs> he said don't spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil it. Yeah, yeah. I wanna see it. Don't be telling no, me. It's, yeah. Honestly, it's, it's, I it's it really good though. I heard Rocky dies. No, no, actually, no, actually, never punch him. I actually heard this is the last one that Sylvester Stallone's gonna be in. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. so I assume I don't he know died. if he died. Maybe he just like fuck I don't know. He's I heard he, 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 he could have retired. No, no. I heard he was uh, Creed was about to get shot in the drive by and Rocky pushed him. And he <laughs> okay. and like, Rocky, that was Fruitville Station for Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> and Rocky just got wet up. <laughs> Rocky got, got wet up. It's crazy. <laughs> It'd be dope if Rocky just got wet up trying to save Creed from a drive by. All right, I got a dip. You got a dip, Jay? Yeah. Hey, yo, so Jamie's out of here. Um, we had to kick him out because he was farting too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, um, we're going to do the DJ City ad right now. Uh, Politic, do you mind taking a st- stab at it? Well, yeah. Go ahead. So uh, this episode of The Road Podcast is sponsored by DJ City. Mm. Uh, DJ City is the leading supplier of new music for DJs all over the world. Since 2001, they've been providing working DJs with the latest club and radio songs, including exclusive intros, remixes, acapellas, and more. Any DJ can subscribe, and for less than a dollar a day, you can get all the tools needed to rock a party, club, mix show, bar mitzvah, my favorite kind of party. Um, <laughs> and yeah, shout out DJ City. I've been using DJ City for years. Yeah, Make our no. jobs way, way more easier. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. man. Go to uh, www.com, I mean, www.djcity.com, yeah. And... uh what do you call it? They got a ton of new shit too there. Yeah. I gotta I gotta go on there this week. I actually wanted to touch on management because uh you're at DGI, right? Yep. Which is kind of New York based a little They're bit. New York based, yeah. How did you get in contact with them and stuff like that? Because uh, they 'cause at the time there was I guess there was like what what, what was um AM's crew? Dexter. There was Dexter, there was yeah. Scam and stuff and I have a lot of people, a lot of DJs that hit me up on like, I want to be on Scam, I want to do this and I want to do that and yeah. I'm just kind of like, you know, you got to get to a point where you actually need a manager and then picking the right management is really crucial at the same time and stuff, you know. I mean, any DJ that hits me up and wants advice or anything like get linked up with a manager, I'm just like, yo, if you want to be an open format DJ, like 
just stop right now. You know, like right now, the door in terms of like this circuit is just like almost shut. And since I was kind of like one of the last guys, I feel like that got in, you know, I feel like really, if you want to take DJing seriously, it's kind of like what we talked about before. It's like start your own identity, start your own brand, um, build your own, build your own name up to a point where like there's a demand for you and not like relying on scam or whatever management company is to get you into Vegas and to do all these things because we already know like the, the inventory for dates for open format DJs has shrunk so much, especially in Vegas. A lot of these big markets, big clubs, yeah. they're booking hard ticket acts, you know? Mm -hmm. So my advice is always like either learn how to produce and go that route or just really like figure out what your identity is as a DJ, build a, a brand around it, put out mixtapes, start a party, whatever it is that is going to get you way further than getting with like a manager who's, you know, maybe will, what's like the ceiling. Maybe you'll be making a hundred grand a year or something mm -hmm, at this point, yeah. you know? So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. I always feel like DJI uh, has got like the, the corporate, the corporate events and like the fashion week events, like, yeah. they, like the, the high end parties, like the high end, the high lock. profile, yeah, yeah, yeah the high, the high right. profile, like parties. They, def yeah. they definitely got that on lock and stuff like that. Uh, from the beginning, they really kind of were on that, like higher level, kind of like clients and and DJs that they manage. You know, they started with Mark Ronson, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. it was uh, Cassidy. Mm -hmm. um, they still do like Paul Seventy and the Miss Shapes. Me, Ruckus, Jesse Marco. MOS. MOS. Mm -hmm. Mel. Mel DeBarge. Shout to Mel. Kiss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kiss is Kiss might be the best. Like in terms of selection. <laughs> yeah. Amazing crazy. DJ. Yeah. Me and her DJed um, Ruckus's wedding in the Bahamas a few months ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. really? <laughs> wow. Um but yeah, they're they're great, man. They're they really like understand the club world and that high end fashion super swaggy event world yeah is there like when you join a like a management team like that or an agency like that is there a pr involved in that do you get a pr do you pay for pr no and that's kind of something i've been thinking about doing pr is kind of tricky you know it's expensive and yeah. um you kind of don't really know what you're going to get for that investment yeah I've, I've done it before like a few years ago and it was cool but I wish there was part of the What is the, some of the benefits of PR, though? Because I was talking to some dudes, and you'll just get a lot more like, like in New York DJs would get written up in page six, you yeah. know, about certain events. And, yeah. And um, you might get like some, some magazine features or something like that. Like New York and, Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I, the mentions are pretty worthless at this point. Just getting a mention in like Us Weekly or whatever, like that used to be a thing, remember? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Stone and Graham had like every week it was like Stone's yeah. DJing with Madonna here and yeah. Graham's with, you know, this person there. And that would like actually get you booked. You put right, that like in right, your yeah. press kit. Mm -hmm. It was a time when people were like really putting a lot of money into like PR, right? Yeah. And it was, I, I, I could be yeah. wrong, but it was around like 5000 a month. It was yeah. like a $5,000 yeah. retainer. For just good to PR, PR. Yeah, that's, right. that's what it's going to cost. I think at this point, the the benefits are just kind of like, the mentions, I don't think really there's any benefits, but if you're getting real PR, like editorials and like features and interviews and stuff like that, it's just kind of like elevating your brand, you mm -hmm. know? 
especially with um, like the fashion and corporate world. Yeah, they actually like will care about that shit. Yeah, you know, mm. um, that's really all it is. But do you yeah. feel like with social media that PR is almost useless a little bit, or it needs to be reworked in some some way? Unless the only benefits I could see with PR is actually just kind of building relationships, like yeah. tying you in with different. That too. Uh, different companies and brands. That too. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Definitely. But that as too. far as like the mentions and like the publications, I don't really see a value with it. Yeah, I mean, these days everything is at our disposal. I mean, there's no excuse. You could get shit popping. You can create your own PR. You have your own relationships with big um, brands and accounts and influencers, whatever you want to call them, that you can kind of do your own PR. It's mm. way easier than it's ever been. But at the same time, you want to kind of like build the team. I think PR is an important part of the team eventually once you need it, you know? Mm-hmm. When you were deciding on DGI, was, uh, I'm sure you were getting probably approached by different management groups and stuff like that. What was the final? It was pretty much just Scam or DGI. Um, I was working with my first manager at Dexstar. Yeah. And he left and he started his own company. And I was with him for like a couple of years and we just kind of like plateaued. And it was really DGI or scam. And really it was kind of just like what we talked about with DGI. They kind of just like their roster and the attention to detail and the types of events and things that their DJs were doing is, was just like more appealing to well, me. Yeah. They're kind you know? of like managing you a little bit more, right? Yeah. Scam is almost like an agency or like a booking agency a little yeah. bit more. Totally. And I feel like DGI is kind of like a management group where totally. they're... They're literally guiding you with into, with your career. Yeah, the roster's a lot smaller too, so it's they can give you more attention, right, more right, attention. Right. And Yoni, Yoni, who does most of like primarily handles all my bookings, is just like a really sharp motherfucker. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like went to Brown is like crazy. Like he went to Brown for history, like studied history of Brown, and just kind of fell into managing DJs. Wow. But he's like really sharp great negotiator really understands the business um and he's helped me a lot and we've grown a lot the last five years pretty snazzy dresser too right yeah crazy style (laughs) crazy style he's always wearing some wacky ass shit when i see him but yeah yeah, yeah. it's pretty funny um you've been doing remixes here and there you said you spoke about you're doing production on the side a little bit working on it and then i always talk with djs who produce shit and i always wonder why everyone makes like edm or trap remixes that's like, a great question i feel I like this was a topic on one of your other i do yeah. because i just like so like i just don't understand it like i don't understand why you guys aren't like they're djs if i'm gonna do, like if i'm gonna do production i'm gonna do like murder beat shit yeah. you know what yeah. i'm saying like why aren't why am i doing fucking remixes you know yeah. i think it's it's kind of like a struggle that djs have in a sense of like we want to make shit that we can play. Right. And the shit that we can play, we're probably going to have to reference songs that are working now. Right. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. the last few years, pretty much from like Carnage, when he kind of came on, uh-huh. with like the Spaceman remix and all that, like integrating hip hop drums and, and trap with EDM, that's just kind of been like a wave that never really went away. Yeah. You know? So that's probably the reason why I would say DJs and producers focus on that because they can play it in their sets, you know, but at the same time, kind of what you were saying before, you're not really going to get far as a artist or producer. If you're just like riding trends 
and not building an identity for yourself. Yeah, I don't really so get it. Like, it's a lot of work to like remix a song and do all of these things. And yeah. For me, I just think, why aren't we like? Why aren't you guys like creating something different, like or something yeah. fresh or new? I think yeah. a, another part of remixing that is important that kind of gets overlooked is like the artists that you're remixing kind of, um, you know, explain sort of like your taste and like kind of what you like right so like i manage this producer right now he's like a experimental trap producer and all the remixes that he's done have all been kind of like left of field up and coming artists uh-huh. and it's kind of like telling the story of mm-hmm. what his taste is you yeah. know yeah. that's kind of how the chain smokers came up too you know they were remixing all those like indie how um like indie kind of rock yeah, yeah like alternative and, yeah like, and that was kind of like their their sound that's kind of how yeah. they like broke through um so i think that's important um yeah with my with the stuff i'm working on i've kind of also had like an identity crisis and that's kind of why i haven't been putting out i have like five remixes that i didn't even put out like finished done mm-hmm. that i just didn't put out because i'm just like let me just keep grinding in the studio and keep trying to figure out exactly what i want to do i I don't. I don't think that's good, though. I think it's. I think in this day and age, I just think you can just out. put shit out. Yeah. Because honestly, and I've noticed this with like people and kids with their with rappers, they want to um, be a part of the progression. Yeah. Do you understand? So like they want to say like, yo, I remember. You know, I mean, even with this this stupid podcast. People are like, yo, I, I've, I've been listening since the, the first episode when it sounded like shit. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I feel like this day and age is one of the few uh, eras where, like, you can evolve and people will stay with you. And yeah. they will actually respect you more because they were part of that. They feel like yeah. they were part of that evolution. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's why if you're going to if you're gonna make shit, put it out there. And then you never know what kind of feedback you're going to get. You might, out of those five, maybe three of those might be, you know, yeah. really widely accepted. And then two of them might be like crap. But, like, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll never know. And then you'll never get the confidence either to make more and, and, uh, and be yeah. motivated to yeah. do more mm-hmm. if you don't get that feedback. Because then it's, I think that's really important. I've, I've talked to, like, I think um, Mel DeBarge great kid i love that motherfucker mm-hmm. like i've known him since he was a, a bus a bus boy marquee in new york and he wow. became a dj yeah i didn't even know that and then he worked with cassidy and you know i used to hang with him all the time and stuff and he's a he's a great dj but um he he does production i always tell him just put it out there you never know yeah you might as well just put it out there because if you think you're gonna like like hold all of this music and then drop like low in theory, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it like you're better off just yeah. putting it out there and just seeing what hits and what sticks to the wall. Yeah. And then it's just like DJing, where it took you seven years to like really be to, to peak and be at comfortable at to where you are right now. Production's gonna be the same thing. It's gonna take at least five years yeah. or so before you're like really comfortable and you're like, wow, I've actually developed a sound. But yeah. it's gonna take five years. It's gonna take yeah you know probably maybe by the time you're 34 or 35 you'll have established a potential sound do you know what i yeah. mean yeah yeah i mean i totally agree with that and i probably should be putting more shit out yeah, but yeah. at the same time i have the luxury of having like a career where i can still play and travel and, and make a living mm-hmm. off of just like my my dj skills right so i'm just like all right 
I'm in this unique position where like, I, if I want to wait and if I want to kind of see, you know, how I develop as a, as a producer and how I can really like, you know, get that sound or whatever it may be, um, locked in, I can do yeah. it, you know? So, and then um, I'm sure like you said, like a part of you is a perfectionist. So that yeah, it's in bad, itself, it's bad. It's you're bad. like constantly working on something. Okay. That's not perfect. Let me try this. Yeah. or let me add this. Like Q tip, he's <laughs> like Lowen Theory would have never came out if it was yeah. up to him. Yeah, like, yeah. if Chris Lighty didn't right. go <laughs> get the masters in. I just always, I just always feel like you're better off doing and putting stuff out mm-hmm. and seeing what sticks. Especially in no, this you're, day you're right, age, you're 100 you know? right. I actually, I met with um, Neil Jacobson like a little while ago. He's a, a CEO of uh, Geffen Records now, uh-huh. and he was like a, a instrumental part of Snake's rise. Uh-huh. I think he signed Snake um, originally. I think that was like his first major label deal whatever it was like a jv whatever it was uh-huh. and he told me kind of like what you're saying he was like we live in a in a day and age where like if you put something out and it's whack like that's it like people will just like forget move about on, it move on yeah. to the next thing yeah so it's like just put shit out you know and so, then they'll have that that history you could then can recall like damn i remember when he put that out and now I look at him yeah so i mean you're gonna attract you're gonna attract a small following and then it's just going to grow so you just yeah. gotta it grows as as you start putting more and more shit out but if you don't put anything out you you're gonna it's really gonna yeah. be hard to to create that following do you know what i'm saying so you're better off it's like this podcast where we recorded like two months before we even put anything out just to like test it out but i honestly i could have I honestly told these guys, like, I don't think we're ready. I think we should wait another month. Mm-hmm. But they're like, fuck it, let's just put it out. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, man, fuck it, let's just put it out. So it's just, mm-hmm. like, really about putting it out there. Because I didn't think we were ready. But obviously, they thought it sounded all right. And I was like, all right, fuck it. And then we put it out. And then, you know, ended up building a small following. And, you know, we still have, yeah. a, 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 we have a larger following than we did before. But, you know, it's one of those things where you got... We we have a kind audience and a kind following where they're like putting up with the bullshit of like yeah. the little the little kinks in here and there. So like some of the mastering in your beats might be off, or yeah. some of the sounds might not be as great, or the drum sequencing. But you know, five tracks later, you've have you yeah. mastered you that. It's, all, it's yeah. all a learning process for me. So yeah. Yeah. it's great. Every every track, everything I work on, I just learn. So, mm-hmm. but I think in in particular open format DJs, the transition to being a producer is really hard just because we have such a wide range of taste. Right. And it's like That's us true. trying to like put every, like all of our tastes into like one thing and it's like not possible. You got to really just like. I never thought of it that way. But you know, I mean, it's, it's a struggle that I feel like a lot of DJs that, you know, we know that put stuff out. It's like, well, what, like, what's the identity? Like, what is it? And it's not really like, it's not their fault. It's not our fault. It's just like kind of like our DNA. You know what I mean? But yeah. I also, but I also see. I also think that producers are the same way, man. See, like producers put out a bunch of, they make a bunch of different beats, and then they shop it to a bunch of rappers or uh, you know artists. The artists put it out, and all of a sudden, one song breaks out. And then two other artists want that same type of beat. That's true. And then so what happens is that you make the same kind of beat for these two other artists and all of a sudden you're labeled that's his sound do you understand so like that's why 
And then obviously when a market is hot, your yeah. manager, your agent's going to be like, yo, let's just ride this sound yeah. and this wave for the next two years or the next year yeah. and to sell money. as many beats. Yeah. Make this money. Yeah. Well, Keep what you're talking it. about is more like producing for other artists, which, yeah, yeah I agree 100%. But even, that. but I'm saying, let's say you make a remix and it's maybe not even something you're into. Let's say you, out of the blue, you made a one dope reggaeton remix and it popped off. And then other motherfuckers hit you up like, yo, can you remix my shit? Right, right, All of right. a sudden, you do two yeah. more remixes. Now you're like, yo, politics like a little reggaeton has like a reggaeton sound. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you could be like, yo, no, no, that's not my shit. Like, it just popped off. Yeah. But that's when you kind of establish the sound. Yeah. But once you've got everyone listening, then you can start saying like, nah, look, this is what the other shit yeah. I got. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's always like the unexpected shit, too. That's yeah. what like every, every big producer or artist is like. This was the last thing I expected right. that was gonna break me. Like and this that's always, they never always, thought it was that one track that they yeah. thought was whatever. Yeah. Ended up being a hit. They always end up hating it too. Yeah, because it got so big that <laughs> they just hate performing it. They hate hearing <laughs> like, it. Y'all like know? this? Like yeah. what about all this other dope shit yeah. I got? Yeah. Like, yeah, you gotta be yeah. ready. It works like that with fashion and everything, man. Yeah. Like uh, you know, brands will come out with full collections, and then one thing will pop from that from that collection, yeah. and then it'll define the brand for years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's insane. So, it's speaking it's, of brands, I got to cop my winter, the new, new, from the new, new shit. collection, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my winter yeah, wardrobe. Anytime, I mean, the warehouse is closed right now, but you know, anytime, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. If you look online, though, you can uh, just let me know what you oh, want. Okay. I got you and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, is there anything you want to touch on? Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I think we covered, I think we covered a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then definitely. you got Tao tonight. I'm at Tower tonight. Cool, man. Nice. And then you're back. You're flying back home tomorrow. Flying back home tomorrow. I'm at AC on Monday. Okay. Um, at the Borgata. Yo, you nice. had the heaviest jacket on from Chicago. It must have been brick out there. It was like windy. Huh? It was like thirty, and it was raining. Oh, man, it's not, not too bad. Thirty. <laughs> <30? Yeah. laughs> for for us, LA but I folk. feel like with the wind with the wind chill, that's yeah, more like Chicago, 10, yeah, 15. Could be, yeah. I get sick like every time the first gig I do. In a cold place mm -hmm. like that season, yeah. I all like I never pack accordingly. <laughs> so now I, I bought that jacket last year. I'm like, yo, I don't give a fuck if it's like 40 or 20 or 10. I'm bringing this shit. I'm yeah. gonna be prepared. <laughs> yo, he literally brought like a parka, yo, yeah, yeah. some Alaska shit, yeah, it's <laughs> a furry, the furry joint, the furry hood joint. <laughs> yo, politic, thanks for coming through, man. Thank yo, you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me.